Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be me answering the question, does Destiny have an identity problem? If you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play, you can always catch me live on YouTube. Uh, go to saynotorage.com. It'll bring you to my live channel when we're streaming. You can click the subscribe and the bell button or the join button if you want to become a paying member. If you'd rather use Patreon, you can go to sntrpresents.com if you want to become a paying member there as well. So, the reason we're asking this question is Destiny's been going through a bit of an evolution. We've been watching slow changes happen more and more with respect to elements being added and also statements being made by, you know, Luke Smith when he said, you know, this is supposed to be an action MMO and they're trying to increase the RPG elements with stats and things like that. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to break down each of the categories that we feel Destiny kind of falls into and how is it excelling in those areas and how is it not excelling or doing well in those areas. So I'm going to break it down into RPG, action and MMO. Um, and I saved MMO for last because that's kind of like a spicy debate where people don't think it's an MMO, uh, but I actually think that it is when you define it properly. Uh, I think people define it very rigidly, and I think that causes way, way too many unnecessary debates. But first, let's just talk about RPG. I actually think they're getting elements of the RPG right in, in with respect to build crafting and all of the things you can do with builds and loadouts. We have a lot more control over our stats and a lot more control over our loadout and the mods and everything on our armor and I think that's actually like a really really good thing that came from armor 2.0 I think they made really really good changes with respect uh, to how that works however skill trees aren't really in line with that layer of customization presently skill trees are still very limited and very diamond based you're just sort of picking from the various attunements and it, it just it doesn't bring that customization now we know that the stasis subclass is supposed to bring that we're supposed to get a significant layer of uh, of customization a lot more to choose from now that's not going to affect the other subclasses but that's at least a step in the right direction they're they're taking the subclasses down a path of saying listen we're going to give you more ability here to to increase that customization and increase you know how much you can kind of fix your loadout and your build so armor 2.0 really brought it i do think some of that needs refined we talked about how annoying it is to have a 99 or how a 97 or an 87 is an 87 is equal to an 80 and refining some of those stats giving us percentages as opposed to just hard fast you know tiers might be better a better way to refine it and then giving us more customization on the skill trees i i think another area that's really really lacking is also with weapons um i just i think the gun perks the perk variety and the perk depth is just not really there um it's just one of those things where they've they haven't really evolved the weapon system yet. They've done a good job, I think, evolving the armor system. That sounds like they're taking steps in the direction to evolve the subclass system. But then they're going. I think you're going to really need to target guns for what I think needs to, a, a significant update. The the perk uh, variety there there's just there, there's not enough variety and there's not it just doesn't go deep enough as far as what kind of a role can you get? What kind of perks can you get? A lot of the perks are very very samey swap. Buckler, Rampage, you know, Kill Clip and Multi Kill Clip are all just horses of a different color. A lot of the mag perks and range perks, you know, they're all very, very similar. There's a lot of almost, it's not that noticeable, but there's almost a, homogeniz- a, a, a homogenization of some of the perks that, with, with where they fall. They're all very, very similar 
and what they actually do and I would love to see that change we've really been asking for more elemental perks we've been asking for more you know perks that do something what does the gun do as opposed to oh this perk just makes it reload faster and get more damage so in the realm of rpg when you think of an rpg with skill trees and building and loadouts and picking different abilities and skills and stats i think they've made good strides but they haven't really landed there you know on their feet just yet and we would like to see that uh like to see that change now it's also an action game they call it an action mmo and i want to talk about ways that they have really you know excelled at a lot of the action elements but haven't really um brought it to full fruition we're using a lot of the same weapons we typically do using a hand cannon and a shotgun virtually everywhere doesn't feel very action it feels very you know very predictable shooter loadout that we've seen so many times before and so the action elements is probably one of the strongest aspects in destiny even though some of the guns and some of the things that we choose to go into combat with don't feel that different than they have for very many years it still feels like a basic shooter some of the strongest elements of destiny is the action uh, feel when they added way of a thousand cuts and you got these blades that you're throwing or you run a celestial nighthawk golden gun or you run tether uh, or you you know you run you know arc staff it's very very action oriented some of the coolest things you can do in this game is run some really really strong builds with exotics and your super and you feel awesome some of the third person elements have really brought that home supers exotics and es- exotics and especially recently swords I think have brought the action elements of the game into a stronger presence and we need more of it. I want more weapons like guillotine with big flamboyant animations. Hopefully stasis can bring more expressive supers and and feeling that sense of strength and power and seeing my character do something awesome i mean one of the more memorable moments i ever had when destiny you know was announced was this idea that you could do a nova bomb i love that i think they've got a lot of this nailed down even when you leave swords you've got guns like xenophage anarchy and 1k voices that really bring the action home I want to see less of a, and we've used the word already today, less of a homogenization of supers. A lot of the supers feel very samey when compared to each other. You know, Luke Smith conceded this when he did his interview. They do all kind of feel a little samey. If Stasis can bring that skill tree customization, maybe some super variety to our supers, maybe that could impact the other uh, supers and the other subclasses and give them more of that presence of it's something you're doing in the world. It's something that is uh, bringing that action presence. So the action element's probably the strongest out of all of the, the identifying markers of Destiny. It's an RPG it's trying to come into its own there it's an action game i think it has really come into its own there and just needs to do more i really want to see more future weapons especially like trace rifles and other things like that lastly let's get into the mmo debate i think this debate a lot of the times gets really really overblown and it ends up being a lot of wasted effort people try to define mmo in a very specific way if you're if you're if you're observant a lot of people will say things like if they want to become a true mmo or a traditional mmo it's like well now hang on a second they never said they wanted to become a true or traditional mmo they said they're an action mmo action is modifying mmo you know it's like a romantic comedy is what i said it's a 
hybrid. It's like when someone says, oh, this really isn't a horror movie. Well, no, it's sci-fi horror. Oh, it's not really a sci-fi movie. No, it's sci-fi horror. It's not a purely action game. It's not a purely traditional, you know, World of Warcraft MMO. It has elements of an MMO in the same way that it has elements of RPG and elements of action games. Essentially, when you go to like a place like Steam, these are just identity markers that give you an idea of what's going to be happening in the game. So the pure and raw and just base level definition of MMO is a massive multiplayer online game. And in the realm of daily player counts, Destiny certainly qualifies for that. Over a million players a day at any given time, you know, tens to twenties, you know, of thousands of people logging in and playing simultaneously. It is an MMO, okay? It's not a traditional, it is not a a true, if you want to say that, MMO. It's not along the lines of subscription fee, EverQuest, World of Warcraft, things like that. It's its own version. It's, It's taking elements from those games. And that's why you can say, oh, a Metroidvania, you can call Control the game control a metroidvania even though it's not a side scroller like ori in the blind forest you know or hollow knight and yet you can still call it a metroidvania and and not be so rigid in your definition of what a metroidvania is now that's why i don't think this debate is worth having i don't think you can say it's not it has elements and here's how it uh here's how it here's how it has those elements I actually think they've improved some of the the aspects of being an MMO. The the world's evolving and changing. The skybox is showing that the era and the ethos that we're in is changing. You got the pyramid ships. The storytelling is community driven. It's not just you doing a campaign by yourself at the beginning of a DLC and then that's kind of the end of it. We are all moving the dialogue and the narrative forward with the pyramid ships, with the bunkers with the Fractaline, with the Sundial, with Rescuing Saint-14. These are things we're doing together. We all stood in the tower and we watched the Almighty come crashing down. The story is now more interwoven into the world itself. It's visual and you see it. You don't just, it's not just contained in a campaign mission that's long forgotten. It's visual. The effect of the story is is having an impact on the, on the world and we're all in it together. We're all standing around and we're going into places together and we're moving the story forward. We're experiencing the story together so in that aspect I think they've done a very very good job with being and feeling like an, uh, an MMO light you know an action MMO it's it's not one that you're playing nine hours a day just to get some mana it's it's in a different category of MMO now where they're doing a poor job with being an MMO is the bounties and the tower loot syndrome we've been talking about. I get all my loot in god rolls from the tower. Bounties are most efficiently done in a lost sector by myself. Playing with other players can be frustrating. They are actually doing a poor job with that aspect. There should be more of a driver to be out in the world, out in the playlists. That's where loot should be dropping. That's where the activity and the action should be happening. And we're getting most of our stuff in the tower. It's becoming a tower simulator. We're token slamming, bounty popping, and grabbing all of our loot from a menu. So they need to change that aspect. It is really fun when you're in the public space doing the contact public event, and there's lots of people around and it's going really well and everything is getting blown up like that feels really really good that's the most mmo-esque feeling the game gets 
But when it comes time to do bounties or when it comes time to get my rewards, it's very solo. I'm in a menu. I'm kind of got my blinders on. I'm, I'm in the UI and that needs to change in year four to, to make that aspect of the game excel. So I believe the RPG action and MMO elements of the game have both good and bad areas, areas where they excel and areas where they kind of fall down. So I don't think the game has an identity problem. I think they're carving out their own identity and making each of these elements RPG action MMO feel more like a destiny adaptation of those things as opposed to trying to become another game as always we're going to transition to Q&A as well as VIP call-in. If you want to support me, click subscribe, the bell button, and the like button. If you want to join in these conversations, you got to click join or use the Patreon. There's a button on the YouTube for join, and SNTRpresents.com will take you to the Patreon. As always, if you're listening or watching in any of the other locations, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the Q&A session that followed my talk about is Destiny dealing with an identity problem? If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com if you want to catch these live. Also, when that takes you to the YouTube channel, you can click the join button to become a paying member or just subscribe and the bell button. That is totally free to do the subscribe and the bell button. Paying members can also decide to use the Patreon. Go to sntrpresents.com. There's already combo tiers there for the new show that we're launching, Repeat Theater, and I'll have more formal announcements about that soon. So Gritter, with the first question, says, Do you think the reason for the identity crisis is the tug-of-war Bungie had with Activision over Destiny 2? And had Bungie been independent from uh, Activision during D2's inception, the perception of confusion would not exist. Well, I think if you go all the way back to, I mean, Jason Schreier wrote an article indicating that there was sort of a, there was a creative, I have described it as a creative dissonance at the company when D1 was, you know, supposed to be loading in to the, to the starting blocks and getting ready to launch, you know, when they were at that phase and Joseph Stoughton takes his supercut and he shows it to Bungie, basically all of Bungie and there's higher up like Bungie executives that are like this is not the game we want to build there were Bungie staff quoted it saying it was really campy there were cutscenes all over the place like after every mission it felt very linear and this is all literally right before the game is supposed to launch okay the game gets delayed for an entire year they slice it up and they launch it you know a year later and in the process of that happening Stoughton's not happy. Marty leaves. Marty's the composer. He can't reconcile the differences with what's going on with the artistic vision. From that point to very recently, I think internally there was just a lot of competing philosophies about Destiny. What type of game should it be and and how are they supposed to deliver content? I think there was a lot of differences of opinion. I think that's one of the reasons that they had to put Luke Smith in charge of D2 because whoever was in charge of D2... This would be January after the Taken King launch, the Taken King DLC. You know, January comes around and they're like, you know, that's right. Marty didn't leave. He was fired. I mean, he was basically fired because he couldn't, he couldn't reconcile the differences. Like he was kind of becoming a, I don't know about a troublemaker, but you know, when somebody just doesn't have the, the, the morale that's going to jive with a company. Um, anyway, so they put Luke Smith in charge January after taking King, more than likely because 
they they didn't like the direction the game was taking. Luke Smith gets Destiny 2 into a minimum viable product state, okay? They get it to where they could launch, and it's not right. Everything is wrong. PvP's been taken in a weird direction. It's slower. It's primary base. The maps are flat and choke point driven. Uh, there's no more random rolls. Like, they did so many weird things to the game. And I think if you look at Luke Smith during those interviews and you listen to how Luke Smith talks now, it was very clear that a lot of those things were not things he wanted in the game. He had to support it, obviously, and talk about it. But the minute this guy's in charge of the franchise, he takes it in a completely different direction. And they unify the vision. As soon as they do that, as soon as Luke Smith's in charge, writes director's cuts, wants to unify the vision, as soon as they're out from under Activision, look at what happens. Wisniewski leaves, Hamrick leaves, a lot of people leave. Because, I believe... In an effort to unify the vision, they essentially told people, you gotta buy into this philosophy or it just isn't gonna work. I don't think they, like, fired anybody or shoved anybody out. I think they said, listen, we gotta unify the vision. This is where the game is going. We need every department. We need every project lead. All of you need to be on the same page. And I think that's why they they had people leaving. So, now that we've kind of come full circle on that, I think the tug of war was more internal I think it had less to do with Activision and I think it had more to do with the fact that internally Bungie had a dissonance of creative vision and they didn't have a unified idea and sight of where they wanted to take the game now that they have that you're seeing they're combing over so many aspects of the game and making changes I mean, all you got to do is look at how Luke Smith talked about year three. He concedes that aspiration's not there. It needs to be refueled. He concedes that it's too bounty-based. It's There's too much FOMO, fear of missing out, right? I got to complete the pass. I got to do this or I'm not going to get this. Too much fear of missing out is, is woven into the seasonal structure. Uh, they don't like the fact that content's coming in and having to expire. Like, very, very transparent about how these are things that are not in line with the vision of where we want the game to go go up to now the the traditional bungee has never been to say this is where we fell short in year three here's how we're going to fix it in year four it's typically just a hype machine here's what we're doing next here's what we're doing next that's kind of been bungee's you know mo for for marketing and, and discussing things with us not that there's anything wrong with that but i feel like there's a significant difference in tone and direction ever since luke smith took over So the tug of war was not so much with Activision. I think it was more internal. And if you if you look at it that way, it starts to make more sense as to why certain things and certain sides of the game just didn't feel like they were squaring with each other. Um, And so the only way you get a game, this is why whenever I went to EA Play and I was a part of a little talk about Anthem and they had some community managers in there and some devs and uh you know we're sitting there talking or whatever and they're talking about all these new activities and all these new loot grinds they're going to be adding to the game and i'm sitting there thinking to myself you know the the house is is has been burned to the ground and you're talking about adding on a sunroom it's like i don't you got to rebuild the house and you got to put out to the community and to the gaming community 
What's the blueprint? What's this house going to look like? What is the direction of Anthem? What kind of game is Anthem going to be? And I feel that Luke Smith did that when he walked out with Noseworthy when they broke from Activision and they talked about free-to-play, single-evolving world, action MMO. We got a taste of that. Then we got more of a taste of it in the director's cut. And then we got more of a taste of it when they started talking about you know, Beyond Light and... Uh, Witch Queen and Lightfall. What like they've continued to really set this stage of like that's where we are wanting to go, and it's just a very very different tone, I think, um, in the marketing. And I think you've got to have a lot of confidence to walk out and drop that gauntlet of here's where we're going. Here's even some of the artwork. Here's even some of the scenery from those DLCs and expansions that are years away. That's a very very different version of Bungie. That's the vision casting that you want to see for games like this so then you can buy in and believe so that's why a lot of the times these guys jump on like the vip call-ins and they get real wound up and they're really upset about aspects of year three and i'm just sitting there thinking yeah i know well they know they know about this they're they're dead set on fixing those aspects in year four and that's why i have more of like a a relaxed trust because I feel what they're talking about and what they're owning and the vision that they're casting is a game I want to play. Um, Marty talked about how a lot of the Bungie heads were okay with Activision stepping in. He felt that some of Bungie uh, was more for-profit than delivering a good product, so I believe once Activision was gone, those only for-profit guys left. I mean, that's possible, too. That's possible, too. You could have just had people in there that just didn't jive with, you know... um, a lot of a lot of where they're wanting to take the game. I just think I don't know. I think more and more, whenever we're we're looking at the game, you know, as a whole, I think that they're making it very very clear that it, the game has never really truly been what they wanted it to be, um, and I think they're now in a position to do just that. They're they're in a position to make the game that they want to make. And I hope they can execute on it. Bungie's Bungie's always struggle with that. Great idea, great intention, and then the execution's kind of sloppy, you know, or half baked. So I hope they can nail the execution because you can bring a construction crew out and have a great vision for this house that you want to build. But if you do shoddy foundation and drywall work, it doesn't matter how much great the electric the elect the electrical work is, or how many really really cool and creative you know windows you can put in. It doesn't matter if the foundation and the and the drywall is shoddy. It's going to affect everything. Um, and I think that's always where they've struggled is parts of the execution just fall flat. A perfect example in year three is. We want to give people more agency over their leveling with an artifact, bonus level, and then bounties. And they give us that. And the execution on it is kind of sloppy. It's like, well, the bounties are frustrating and driving people to play by themselves. The bounties are the most, the single fastest way to level up the artifact and get the bonus level. Um, and, you know, oh, we want to be more generous. We want to give people better agency and player intentionality toward loot, more targeted farms. And you end up with Sundial and Fractaline and Umbrals and basically standing in a menu in a UI to get your weapons. They're, they're, they rip the romance out. So the intention's great. 
the intentionality is there the generosity was there you could get so many great weapons and have so much control over your pursuit of sundial weapons but the experience itself just wasn't polished you know next question mr salt shaker I believe Bungie's uh, biggest identity problem lies within the balance between appealing to casuals while also satisfying the hardcore players. I believe if the hardcore players are satisfied, activity and engagement will trickle down. Thoughts? It doesn't really work that way unless you do it in a really, really smart way with, I've always said difficulty spectrum is the way to essentially do what you're talking about. I remember being in the Plaguelands in Destiny 1 and Destiny 2 was out on the horizon and I remember somebody asking me, this got asked a lot actually back then. What's the single greatest challenge for Destiny 2? And I said exactly what you said. I said, they have to try to appeal to both. They have to try to appeal to the hardcore and the casual. There are tons of casuals, but there are lots of hardcores, and the hardcores are very outspoken, and they log lots of hours, and they play your raids and your nightfalls and your aspirational content, and so how do you please both? If you st- like, And you can see when you look at year three, what happens when hardcore players don't feel like they get enough, and the casual players are sort of the focus. Um, it's just one of those things where I think Spectrum is always the key. If they launch a seasonal activity in Beyond Light and there's a hard mode and there's a spectrum of difficulty as well as a spectrum of reward, I think that's how, as you're saying, it'll trickle down. You, you can't disproportionately feed the top and be like, well, aspirational breed desire, as Avenger says, like, oh, people will really want to go up the, the spectrum of content and go into the harder stuff. Not necessarily. I, I pinpointed this yesterday. There's a very, very sharp divide in the game right now. It's like, it's like dungeons, dungeons, raids, and flawless trials are over here. And then over here is like public space and strikes. And there's this giant chasm and canyon in the middle. It's not easy to jump over that gap. If you're only really ever hanging out in strikes in public space, suddenly going into a grandmaster or or not even a ma- grandmaster, but just a master nightfall or a dungeon or a raid, it doesn't feel like there's a gradual progression. It, it's just all of a sudden way, way harder. I mean, there are games like this, right? You turn on hard mode and it goes from being manageable to being one shot by everything. And it doesn't feel like a gradual change in difficulty. It feels just like a, uh, just a haymaker punch to the teeth. And so if you have, I think, difficulty spectrum of content and spectrum hierarchy of loot, that is how you get this quote-unquote trickle-down feel where people put in a certain amount of time or engage with a certain amount of content and they feel appropriately rewarded. Nobody wants to grind all week running raids, dungeons, and Grandmaster Nightfalls and feeling like they're basically in the same camp as everybody else. The loot is all very samey and homogenized. It doesn't doesn't seem to be a giant difference between a lot of the loot. And that's just another, I think, aspect of this discussion that would bring, um, as you're saying, sort of a 
appealing to both sides solution if that's the goal if 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 Bungie looks at year four and says all right we can't focus so heavily on the casuals we got to help out the hardcores you got to keep casuals in the frame if you get them out of the frame you're going to just inverse the problem and you're going to have you know that year two feeling where you went from black armory to drifter to opulence and it was tough on the casuals it was harder to get in because of the leveling surge bounties were a band-aid but that still wasn't you know a great great uh you know inroad you know so i i just i just think that 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 is always going to be a challenge for bungie but i think they're the closest ever to figuring it out i think they're the closest they are to getting the the recipe right because this year was not an overreaction to only feeding casuals we debated this a little bit yesterday. I actually think Shadowkeep and Beyond has been decent for hardcores, but not great. Because you got a raid and a dungeon. You got two exotics that were attached to both of those endgame pieces of content. And then you got another dungeon here in the summer with high stat roll armor, unique armor that can only be gotten there. They've done a decent job, just not a very good job. They didn't completely ignore you. It wasn't that sharp of a pivot. It was certainly a pivot, but it was, it was, I think it was a more moderate pivot of focus than we've had before, which gives me encouragement. It's like they're not doing big pendulum swings. They're not doing big pendulum swings. They're, they're attempting, I think, to, to more fine tune the game to fit everybody's um, palette of engagement. Necro. I believe a foundational issue is the direction the devs take with their core design with Destiny. If we all take into account the things that we discuss in and out of Q&A, we may arrive at the truth. Perhaps their system needs to change. I may do explain during a VIP call. I don't really sense a, a question here. I mean, I, if, if you think it's a foundational core system issue, then it sounds like you want Destiny to be another game. I mean, and obviously I've got context here. I've interacted with Necro a lot and I've read a lot of Necro's ideas and input. I feel like certain players fall into a category of wanting Destiny to be a different game. They make suggestions, they have ideas, they have input, and they're almost always borrowed from other games. They'll reference Final Fantasy, they'll reference World of Warcraft, they'll reference, you know, RuneScape. It's like, they're Diablo. And I think sometimes you can borrow and take inspiration from other games who have trudged out ahead of you, but you also have to remember that Destiny is attempting to become its own type of game. When you say like it's an action MMORPG, if you start trying to ham fist way too much action elements or way too much RPG elements, if they suddenly doubled our stats where we had 24 stats to manage, that might feel a little strange. It might not really jive with the actual combat and difficulty requirements that the player is facing because it's still destiny. What raid, dungeon, or endgame encounter are you going to give me where suddenly those 24 stats bring a bunch of vibrancy and differences and 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 uh, different builds and 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 the like. I that's what I that, that's where I think if you turn one dial up way too much, you're gonna you're gonna mess up the secret sauce. Like Destiny has this appeal because it's an action MMO that 
moms and dads and busy college students can play one two hours a night couple hours a week and feel like they're having a great time and getting getting a good experience it has that low entry accessible door that's just kind of open to everybody and i think when people rail against that or as this question kind of rails against the core design of destiny is kind of what you're setting your sights on it's like i i think we're a little too far down the road to go back and say let's completely change the setup here you know let's completely change the setup so if if we can become more like final fantasy we can become more like an mmo you know i i think i think fundamentally when we get into a lot of these discussions people always got annoyed with me in the youtube comments when i would be like that's not destiny that's not destiny i'm trying to be more thoughtful and more um, and give more meat to that argument instead of just dismissing an idea and being like that's not destiny I'm trying to paint it in this picture of there's kind of three knobs here RPG, action, and MMO and if you overturn one knob if it's if it goes all action and you, and you minimize the gunplay we're using swords and mallets and abilities and we're in third person view you know 70% of the time and it feels like this awesome sort of space magic tomb raider horizon zero dawn like if you go down the action road too far it wouldn't feel like destiny all of a sudden Part of the appeal of Destiny is that awesome gunplay, you know? If you go too many futuristic weapons and you overbake the cake, it suddenly isn't going to feel like Destiny. So you've got to be careful with the knobs and how hard you turn them. And when someone approaches this game with some of the ideas I've read and some of the suggestions we've seen, I'm like, okay, you're trying to turn the MMO and the RPG knobs up to 11, and that just won't work in Destiny. You don't have the audience for it, nor do you have the game and combat depth for a lot of that stuff. The combat is very, very basic, and it's not going to evolve much more than where it is now. Trash ads, majors, shielded majors and champions, many bosses, bosses. I mean, that that enemy hierarchy isn't going to change that much. And unless unless they really, really try to evolve the combat, there's not a lot of room for turning the RPG and the MMO knobs up a whole lot more than they are now. You know, yeah, Spinal Tap reference. If if you try and turn those knobs up too high, it'll all feel frivolous. Imagine right now in the game that we're playing with the dungeon that we have and the raids that we have and the end game content that we have, Grandmaster Nightfalls and the like, suddenly having 24 stats and a bunch of customization and crafting for our guns. What would be the driver to do any of that crap? The game's not asking you to do any of it. It isn't. So much of the content is, is not asking you to take that level of depth and and care and nuance there's not that many dynamics in the game so rain the dark as a d1 veteran playing since 2014 the way i played destiny was very similar to other hardcore players so the way i identify with it is the raids it doesn't hit the same like it used to how can bungie recapture the original raid identity you've got to get rid of the, the res timer that's a non-negotiable for me I believe that is a that is a global form of neutering the intensity of raids automatically it's just it's an automatic it neuters the intensity right out of jump it's 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 a it's immediately it's like the master volume on a soundboard it's like you're like 
automatically taking the master volume down from 10 to 5. Just take it down to 5. Only letting everything get so intense because all those low man clutch hero moments aren't possible, okay? So first thing you gotta do is get rid of that. That's a, that is a non-negotiable with me. I believe that has such an enormous effect on the psychology and the experience of a raid knowing that you must res or the whole team dies. Get that just out of here, okay? Second, you need normal and hard mode. There has to be a sense of I'm gearing up for the hard mode when it comes out. We need that. I, that 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 kept I think Destiny One raids in a very special place. And then you know Milky saying set bonuses. That's the only way you're going to get to a place where intrinsic perks on raid guns or set bonuses have a context. I don't need a dadgum set bonus if there's only normal mode, but I might if there's a hard mode. I might need that extra oomph and survival and that extra power or whatever. I might ne- I might feel like I really am glad I have Oracle Disruptor or some of the raid bonuses that were on the Wrath Armor really helped when we got into the hard mode. And lastly, you need true loot hierarchy. Raid weapons need to be standout, and if they're not, the whole sandcastle comes crumbling down. You have a neutered experience because of the timer, so there's very, very few intense, oh man, we clutched that up. There's very few low man intense moments. There's no normal or hard mode, so there is no gearing up to go up. There is no sense of equipping yourself for the toughest of the tough. It's just run it till you squeeze it dry of the loot that it has, and we need loot hierarchy if those three things don't happen in the beyond light raid it will be less than it could be it'll be less than it could be so Raris as a vivid uh, I think you meant to say avid as an avid MMO player I think Bungie never wanted to make an MMO but more or less make their own genre of a space magic game so should Bungie focus more on the space magic instead of the action MMO style well the way I broke it down I broke it down into RPG action and MMO so your space magic falls under action it brings the boom and the pow and the whoa that was cool it brings that okay um so the 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 action can't get turned up too loud you know the the ability to use space magic weapons and big explosions and kind of crazy stuff you gotta be careful you don't want the game to fold back over on itself to where the really great gunplay gets more subdued and shows up less often or you know the futuristic weapons kind of become either too strong or you know too amazing you got to have some of that vibrancy and some of those options there so the I didn't include, you know, FPS as a marker, but it still needs to feel like a really good first-person shooter, and you gotta be careful with the space magic and the action, because it could work against that feel and that identity. On the same token, let me give you the inverse. Destiny 2 Year 1 was the inverse of that. It was way too much gunplay and not enough space magic. It was double primary. We were slow. All of our abilities were weak and kind of sucked. Okay? So that's the inverse. That's way too much gunplay, not enough space magic. You gotta find that happy play in the middle where the gunplay is dope and feels really satisfying and the space magic is also there. 
And yeah, someone's bringing up stasis. I'm hoping stasis brings that space magic, brings that customization. As I said, subclasses are very, very simple, and that 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 grates against the feel of an RPG. You know, stats and skill tree building doesn't feel like an RPG when I just pick up a tomb and I'm done, right? So, I would I would hope that stasis can can be one more step in the direction of more more action, fun abilities, setting traps, freezing stuff. And also more customization on the skill tree. So that's kind of hitting two markers. Stasis can increase the action as well as the RPG because they're going to give you more customization over that skill tree. Chronic Spin Dash. Perhaps Destiny's identity problem lies with the fact that they've been less than average with their storytelling, never could stay consistent with a good quality story. Well, this, I think, is part of the... uh, I I couch this under how I think they're doing an actual... uh, They're actually doing a very good job with this element in the MMO aspects. The world's evolving, skyboxes are changing, and we, as a community, have been moving the story forward. We have been taking a part in that. And I think that has been, I think, a really, really good change. They've actually done, I, I think, more than an acceptable job. I think they've done a good job in year three with the storytelling, feeling more woven together and connected and more connected to the world itself. We're seeing the impact of the storytelling. We're seeing it. The pyramid ships are in the sky. The dots were moving in the bunkers. The, the Almighty crashed into the tower. We, you know, we helped take it down. The, you know, the pyramid ships are giving us activities on the planets. Uh, there's that big destructed part of the tower. Saint Fourteen is here. There's a mission uh, to evacuate the planets. So I actually think they've done a good job in year three with great with with better storytelling and i couched it under the mmo aspects it doesn't really land in the action or the rpg um so storytelling has been significantly better and i don't think this has been a problem with their identity i think i think the storytelling has been more all over the place because they didn't quite have they hadn't quite landed the plane of how they wanted to deliver content if that makes sense so dlc season then we got a la carte season then we got narratives that are now connected because ada wasn't connected to drifter drifter wasn't connected to opulence this time around undying they handed things off to to osiris then osiris hands things off to rasputin then rasputin hands things off to basically eris it's more of a it's more of a baton pass of story instead of almost like ep- mini like almost like mini episodes like a like uh, like a mini series or something so the almighty crashing had no significance on the story well but no, well hang on though what i was the reason i brought up the almighty crashing is that was the that was the element that brought to our attention there was a greater threat on the horizon we go to Rasputin he's like I can help take this thing down I can eliminate the threat and then we discover that there's a greater threat on the horizon and then all of our work throughout the season you know climaxes in this moment where we shoot the thing down you're saying it has no impact on the story but it was a resolved story 
if someone shows up in you know in beyond light and Eris is like this person needs to be taken out and we kill them you can't be like well that didn't really have an impact on the story well no we resolved that story arc we you know we put that thing to bed so LL Brood I don't think Destiny is an MMO yet. One of the many implementations they need to do is to have a good grind for both hardcore and casuals. Having a grind for the bigger picture. I believe that people doing less work and getting more out of it is best. I don't agree that lack of grind or too much grind or not enough grind, that is not how you determine if something is an MMO. This is why in my video, I gave a very base level, I gave the face value definition of an MMO, a massive multiplayer online game. That is Destiny. It's multiplayer and online, and it's pretty massive. Tens of thousands of people online at a given time, after a given day, a million players, after a given week, I would say probably three to four unique, three to four million unique logins. So I actually think it fits in that face value definition. This is see this is where people say it's not a traditional or a true MMO cuz it's not grindy enough or there aren't enough stats or there aren't enough uh there aren't enough um people in a given area, you know. You know Jstock's bringing it up. How many people are in one spawn? You know they limit the area to 12 people. Again, an MMO is not defined by dedicated servers with 100 people running around. That's not the definition of an MMO. That's your definition. That's a created one. Right? That's a created one. No, 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 no. It can only be considered an MMO if there's dedicated servers and hundreds of people running around. Well, that's not the definition, though. MMO is very generic. RPG is also generic. Uh, Metroidvania is generic. Con- the, the game control is considered a metroidvania and so is Ori in the Blind Forest I, you know what I mean somebody says no dedicated servers no MMO again you're creating your own definition it's just completely irrelevant I could say oh it's not an RPG why well RPGs allow you to pi- allow you to assign your own stats well, Lono, you just designed your own definition. You just came up with your own definition of RPG to say it's not an RPG. I'm pretty sure that's called special pleading. 12, it's limited to 9 in the open world patrol zones? I thought it was 12. In any case, in any case, a face value definition of RPG, first person shooter, MMO, Metroidvania, these are merely identity markers that games can have more or less elements of those identity markers. You know? So, I'll remain on my high horse AF, no servers. I, it's, again, it's, a, it's, it's not really a defensible position. If the only way, right... If the, the, the only way you can make your point is to come up with your own de- definition, that's a suspect argument. By your definition, any game with instance multiplayer element is an MMO. It has aspects of MMO. It has aspects of it. It has aspects of RPG. It has aspects of an action game. Is Destiny an action game? Well, no, not purely an action game. It has elements of an action game. Is it purely an MMO? No, it has aspects of an MMO. 
it's like looking like I said it's like a hybrid it's like looking at a romantic comedy or a sci-fi horror flick and being like well no that's not a science fiction movie it's got zombies and and stuff in it and it's kind of spooky it's like well no it's sci-fi horror well no it's not a true horror flick it's got sci-fi and they're in space and there's aliens and stuff well well no it's it's not a pure it's not a pure bread it's a hybrid it, it's that's the whole point is that when you make a video game you could say this is a this is an MMORPG card game and for all intents and purposes it could be you could have a social space with 20 or 50 people around and you can go play card games against them and level up your character and get new decks and you'd be like what the frick is an MMO card game what is that you see what I'm saying? You're just you're, you're you're taking identity markers and saying our game has all of some some elements of all of these things. Our our game is a third-person action Metroidvania game. What the frick is that? You know? What the frick is that? This this is a side-scrolling Souls roguelite game. It you can you can grab any of these. MMO is not in some special category, right? Roguelites, uh, rogue in general, just a rogue game, dungeon crawler, side scroller, Metroidvania, RPG, Souls, Souls like, Souls esque, MMO, FPS, RPG. I love you and you love me. We're a happy family. Like these are all. These are literally just. They're, they're just identity markers of games. They're not meant to be taken this rigid. They aren't. So. Polarin. I don't quite think D2 has reached MMO potential. More people in spaces, if they could build on the Nightfall Strike-specific loot again and input certain items and activities and events. I think they may create the feeling from D1 they lost and create more of the MMO grind with rare items and roles. Thoughts? Don't you see how this you we're already getting lost in the woods buffalo with $20 my man preach thank you. So one person defines MMO as we need dedicated servers and lots of people around. Here we have somebody defining MMO as needing to be not just more people in more spaces but we need more of that grind feel. We need more grind with rarer items and roles. Do you see? It's so subjective to what your mind and what your opinion is of an MMO. It's like, it, well, it's not really an MMO until there's more rare items and more grind. And somebody's like, well, no, we don't really need that. We just need lots more people in more spaces. If we don't have dedicated servers, then you know what I mean? MMO is an online game with large numbers of players, often hundreds of thousands on the same server. Then the greatest word in that sentence is often. Often. It's not saying it's a requirement. It's saying, yeah, it's often it's often an instance where there's tons of people running around, right? Also, also, it doesn't necessarily say it has to be on the same servers. It's saying, yeah, there are often that many people on the same servers. At a given time, there's hundreds of thousands of people playing Destiny. After a given day, you know, a million people logged in and played. The definition is flexible. It has it has a range of meaning. You can you can you, again, they're not rigid. It's also between two commas about the large population not on the same server. Right, so if you take that out, a large number of players on the same server, but again that doesn't say you have to be 
oh, you need dedicated servers, you need to be on the same servers. It's also Wikipedia, which is crowdsource definition. So, cite Wikipedia in your next research paper and try and get peer-reviewed. <laughs> Darksider. Do you think class identity is causing some issues with the game's identity? Examples, the agile hunter doesn't feel agile when warlocks have two times the dashes dodge as hunters uh, with only a five cooldown. Yeah, I don't know if this is affecting the game's identity. I feel like it's more of a we're never going to really truly have defined roles in the game. I don't think that's ever going to be a thing in Destiny. I don't. I don't think you're going to have healer tank DPS. You know, well, this guy's slow and takes a ton of damage. And this guy's fast and he's a glass cannon. And, oh, this guy's kind of in the middle and he's more of a supporter and a healer. I just don't think we're ever going to get there. And I think you can see it in the fact that, like, they've really never tried to fix this. Titans were so fast in Destiny 1 and it made no sense. They were supposed to be the big clunky slow guys. I remember the first time I played on a Titan after playing on Warlock, I felt like I was wearing lead boots because his jump just felt different, right? He was he was meant to feel kind of heavy and kind of clunky. I mean, it's in the name. It's in his appearance. But then the Titan ended up being the fastest class in Destiny 1 and they doubled down he had insane forward momentum and then they're like let's give him lateral in-air agility with the twilight garrison (laughs) it's like they doubled down sean allen thank you so much for picking the tier one join button if you guys want to support me directly you can click join or type exclamation point join in the chat thank you so much enjoy the emotes and the perks in discord um i just don't this is why when I was reading through my my outline, I said, I don't think you can go too far down the road of an RPG. Too much of the game just doesn't require that. They're not going to suddenly start building raids, Grandmaster Nightfalls, and dungeons where you're like, man, I'm so glad they gave us these defined roles and 25 stats and more directional and intentional stat assignment. And I'm so glad they gave us 85 different skill builds in our skill trees. Now, like that just isn't going to be a thing. Every game has organic and natural parameters it has to work within. You know? I appreciate you saying that, Riley. Every game has natural and organic parameters it has to work within. It, it, it's created its own identity uh, guardrails. We'll call them identity guardrails. Let's use Diablo as an example. As a dungeon crawler that continues to expand its act, you know, its activities with seasons and rifts and things, if suddenly that game wanted to wanted to like increase immersion and let you bring camera down, over shoulder, third person, all this action elements, and then they add like these puzzles that you have to solve, like a Tomb Raider, right? If that if that happens then that game is going to just break the barriers. It's going to break those, uh, those those identity genre guardrails. And it wouldn't feel like Diablo. It wouldn't. It would be like, what is this game all of a sudden? That would be awesome, says Peter. Again, again, it could be cool, but Ian Malcolm is sitting there saying just because you can doesn't mean that you should right so 
you would never ever want to break the identity guardrails of a game and suddenly destiny turns into a third person action game with puzzle metroidvania elements you'd be like i it doesn't feel like destiny anymore you know it's healthy to always is it healthy to always stay inside the guardrails and follow a tightly printed blueprint well here's what i would say i think sometimes they can push the guardrails back but they're still there so the build crafting and the stats that we have in armor 2.0 i believe that's them shoving the guardrail back a little bit it's still there it's still working within the confines of destiny and how destiny feels and looks but the guardrail kind of got pushed back a little bit and we, we, we might see that with the stasis subclass customization we might see that when if they do like a weapons 2.0 the rails can be bent for progressing future and once of the base right you can bend it, you can push it, but you can't suddenly d- change the, the, the very nature of the game. And what I mean is this. I do not think this game's guardrails allow for a healer, a tank, and a DPS, and hunters are really fast glass cannons, and titans are really slow and taking lots of damage. I, I'm telling you, that would feel like another game all of a sudden you would suddenly say, I'm really angry they did this because I, I, I've been a titan all this time and now titans are big, dumb, slow and they have all these exotics and builds for tank. I don't want to do that. It would feel like they kind of betrayed the system that you were accustomed to. Diablo 4 will break the Di- Diablo identity. It'll have an open world which will be new to the any Diablo game. And that's risky. That's also a sequel. We're not really working in that uh, that realm. You know, it doesn't have to be as tight as the Holy Trinity, but something to make them feel different from each other outside of jumps. Now, I can get behind that, Darksider, so that's why I went extreme. I said, I don't think we're ever going to have that extreme Holy Trinity of tank, DPS, and support. Like, we're never going to have that, right? I think I've got it right. Tank, DPS, healer, or like, is that, is that the Holy Trinity? Anyway, the. The differences between the subclasses, the supers, jumps, and all of that, I think that was agreed. Like Luke Smith said, it's all very homogenized. It's all very samey. And he indicated they want to try to change some of that. You know, the the roaming supers all feel very similar and essentially do the same thing. The DPS supers are, you know, are very similar. The support supers are all very similar. So, I mean, I think the best example of support supers that at least feel different and act different is Titan Bubble and Tether. I think we need to see... We need to see that be more... We need to see that more. Oh, well, the Titan Bubble is vastly different from Tether, and they both ha- they both help and support, but in their own way. I don't think we have enough of that clear, distinct you know, this super does this, this super does that. Like, really look at... Uh, Burning Maul is a great example. What what really makes that super stand out? It's clunky, kind of dumb, it's great for stun locking, in reckoning, and that's about it. And then throwing the hammer is kind of fun. You know? Now, if that, if that super was a run-up and hit the boss with it or impale the boss with it and then it creates this element of increased damage if you shoot the point or damage over time or it burns the boss or something 
Well, now all of a sudden the super has its own identity, its own function, its own form, instead of it's just another super where I swing and hit with something that's really strong and then it's over after a little while. You know? Uh, Ahmed with the next question. The new style of MMO combined with the looter shooter style is amazing, but do you think that we lack a lot of character customization? Weapon and abilities leads to identity problem right now. I touched on that in the video. I do. I think the perk depth and variety is bad. Um, And a really good example of this is Swashbuckler, Rampage, Kill Clip, Multi Kill Clip. Uh, They're all they're all so so similar. it's hard to feel like, wow, I'm really, really glad I got another gun with another damage perk. You know, there's not enough perk variety. There's not enough perk depth. And I think that needs to change um, because that leads to more customization. That leads to your build, your guns and your loadout being, you know, vastly different than mine. Um, and some of these new ones are going in a pretty good direction rapidly defeating targets triggers health regeneration Um, final blows grant increased mobility weapon range and handling for a short duration they did a a, a decent job with some of these new ones Um, but unfortunately until they until they really really blow the lid off the perks and go with perks that do more function do more do more of like what as we've said what does this gun do until they go down that road um i do think that's kind of hurting the feel of rpg not mmo but rpg you know i can't really outfit myself we're all we're all running very very similar guns and chasing very very similar roles so the perk depth and the perk variety really needs cranked up in year four it does Ryro says, I feel like part of the problem with Destiny's identity is that it has a battle pass for cosmetics like a lot of other games. I get that they're trying to monetize their free-to-play game, but do you think that they should move to a challenge-based system instead of XP uh, for season pass progression? We had a big debate about this yesterday, and I very much am, am in defense of the season pass. I think the season pass is good, and it's great for bottom-rung more casual players. I think what we need to ask for is raids, dungeons, grandmaster, nightfall, and trials, you know, flawless trials. All of that needs to have standout weaponry and really good cosmetics. I think that's what we need to ask for. I don't think we need to start trying to steal from the season pass or disrupt the season pass. I think it works well and just leave it be. Is is is, is that was essentially my stance on it yesterday was it's doing its job we don't need to rob peter to pay paul here leave season pass alone and feed the end game and that hopefully given that they say they want to refuel aspiration in year four hopefully they make good on that promise and then a lot of the more hardcore player base will be like i don't really care about the season pass stuff look at the dope stuff i got in the dungeon or the raid or flawless trials boards I feel Destiny is the closest thing to an FPS MMO available today. The FPS part is amazing. How could Bungie improve the RPG aspect, which is which a good MMO needs for Destiny? 
I would hope that the stasis subclass is a success and they could bring way more subclass customization that could make a lot of the tired or more boring supers or subclasses suddenly spring to life. Um, that'd be a great way to inject life into subclasses that people generally ignore and don't use or the ones that are like they're not even endgame viable code of the missile is fun not really endgame viable um you know anytime you take your what am i on hunter anytime i take my hunter into the end game i generally bounce between the two tethers it'd be great to see spectral get like some really great customization a lot of bubbles a lot of great way to play it um and, and, and just really, really start to, am I, am I ever going to run, okay, outside of like PVP, am I ever going to run Way of the Current in PVE endgame? Probably not, okay? But if you create a giant subclass tree for that with lots of customization, there could be endgame PVE builds, right? And Celestial being great for endgame is so flat, though. It's so flat. Wouldn't it be better to have a Celestial Nighthawk endgame build that has a lot more customization and, and bubbles and skills to choose from so you can actually feel like you're not literally just sitting on your super for boss DPS? Give it more function. Give it more form. Um, you know? So I, I've, I'm always going to be on the side of give us way more customization and way more skill tree options and that would be one of the first things I would set my sights on to give it an increased RPG feel Um, and also as we talked about do the same thing with guns you know do the same thing with guns we have this great build crafting system and all this freedom and customization with our armor I would do very very similar things with the gun system we don't need crafting but we need a lot more depth, you know, way more potential roles and and and, and viability and and again perk depth and 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 perk variety. All of those things need need turned way way up. Ashen Hollow, uh, does Destiny have the resources to be an MMO? No deadies, constantly pushing us back to the tower, limiting social limited social tools and interactions. Uh, bounties that grade against group play. To me, it seems we need a new game entirely. Well, I don't necessarily agree we need a new game entirely, and I don't necessarily think we need deadies. Obviously, dedicated servers is what he's saying there. Um, Dedicated servers are are not a necessity, but man, oh man, they're close to being a necessity to really letting the game, you know, breathe and open up. However... Constantly pushing us back to the tower, we've railed against that. I think we're all in agreement that that needs to stop. I need to stop getting my god rolls in the tower. Uh, the limited social tools and the limited social interaction. We had a great conversation about you know in-game LFG and clan systems that could be really really good to promote a lot more of the interaction. Um, stop doing you know public event content where I don't match make. I don't really interact with the people. I just boom. I'm I'm suddenly uh, down in the event. Um, I honestly think this is weird to say this, but I think the pre, I think the preloading room of Gambit would be a really great way to put that into like other pieces of content. Um, it might get old, but like if they do a new, you know, seasonal piece of content and it's match made kind of like loading into like a little room or like a little, uh, a little, uh, you know, drop ship or something. You kind of do it in Reckoning too. People kind of run around, look at each other, dance, emote, put down a flag. Menagerie had a similar element. 
Um, what else? Sundial had a similar element. You kind of come back to that center room. It's weird to say, but I feel like that kind of gives those opportunities for goofy moments, emoting, inspecting somebody, maybe sending a friend request. Um, that's pretty low level. I obviously think we would need more intentional items and things. You know, a clan house, um, in-game clan finder to get people into clans that are aligned with their schedule and where they play. If you play a lot of PvE Eastern Time, you know, in the evenings, it should find you clans of people that are like-minded with similar schedules. I think that would be a great tool to add to the game. You know, in-game clan finder would be excellent. In-game LFG, we're kind of torn on that every time it comes up, but I'm not going to be against it. Um, so, you know, and and then bounties, yeah, bounties grading against group play. I touched on in in the game. I don't. Where did I touch on that? Um, you know, MMO. I said the bounties and the tower loot uh, syndrome are hurting the aspect of it feeling like an MMO. So you're you're right in step with what I was saying in the video, Ash. And I think he, I think he submitted this before I did my video. So we're we're step in step here. I think we're all sensing where the game is is, is lacking in feeling like a good online game with good social aspects. Table JFK. I believe you've mentioned several times in the past that Destiny 2 has a lack of unified vision for what the game wants to be. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I've said that many times, including today. Uh, What should Bungie do and why to capture the hardcore audience again after Season of the Worthy, which had, in my opinion, almost no endgame? It's going to sound really, really stupid or maybe too simple uh, or maybe, you know, not not, uh, substantive enough but if they can really, really nail a new raid with good loot, I think that's the start. Now, that's not going to last for forever, right? My B, no, you're good, Ash, and people submit questions before I do my talk. I don't care. You're going to you're gonna indicate in, and say things that end up either in my talk or get addressed in the talk. I don't, I don't mind that at all. We're not, co- we're not having to hack our way through 50, 50 questions like we were on Twitch. Like, Q&A is a lot more controlled now, so it's, I'm, I'm a lot more chill about stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I, I think we need more than a really good raid, but I do genuinely think if they nail the raid format, if, if the, if they go down the road of the prophecy dungeon, logistical loot delivery system, where each week you open up more pieces of the, of the loot pool, and then you can kind of farm it over and over. I think, um, I think that's a I think that's a great great place uh, to start. I think the minute people feel like they can go through uh, and 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 actually have a good end game raid grind with loot that's worthy of being in a raid, I think that's a great start. Now I think you got to dovetail this with a better grandmaster experience as well as a better grandmaster loot incentive because there's basically not one. Um, and probably a really good dungeon, maybe stagger the dungeon and put it in the winter season. Cause you know, beyond light will be a shorter season. So you'll probably really only need the raid and maybe good loot incentive for grandmaster. I think once you, if you can nail that, um, the big question would be how do you, um, the big question would be, how do you maintain that season to season? 
I think Bungie can nail better loot in the raid. I think Bungie can absolutely nail a a better raid loot logistical system. Like, give us the system that's in the Prophecy Dungeon. I think people would be very happy being able to... Uh, you know, being able to actually run the raid more than one time and really go after the things that they want. That, I think, would be a, uh, a great start. But then, what do you do season to season? This is where I think they need to implement more things with, like, a raid NPC and every season something happens. Um, every season there's a... Uh, there's, an, there's an injection of relevancy and maybe new things to chase in the raid. Outside of that, I'm, that's always going to be, I think, the biggest concern is what are you going to do for $10 every three months to really feed that ravenous base that just plays so, so much at the hardcore level? I, one raid in one dungeon in the fall is not enough to last you for the entire year. They've got to be a better rhythm. Um, so, so for me, I don't think the question is, can Bungie give us really dope endgame loot and a dope raid? That's not in question. I know they can do that. The bigger question is, how do you maintain aspiration and continue to refuel aspiration in a $10 seasonal format? That, I think, is the bigger question. Because they've shown the seasonal format is just it's just more geared toward very basic content loops and being accessible because you know it's it's 10 bucks it's it's you know it's just kind of designed to keep things going it's not designed to be super substantive it's not designed to be massively narratively driven you know so that is that's probably where um where my question lies is on that particular uh, on that particular aspect of the seasonal format is season to season. If you're kind of done with the raid and you're kind of done with all the other hardcore grinds, what are you going to be doing in the winter, spring, and summer seasons to keep that um, to keep that going? Oh, Nalu says, I see a lot of people harping on Bungie because of the use MMO and trying to define uh, that uh, within Destiny. But can Destiny be its own thing? I believe Destiny for sure has room to grow, but do you believe that the pendulum could swing too deep into these categories and risk losing its identity? I think there's always a risk. Anytime, anytime you decide to evolve the game, change the game, update the game, it is a giant risk. Even what they did with Gears of War this past time, where there was like an open area, there was a vehicle. It felt it felt a lot more felt a lot more like uh, like a non traditional Gears game. I applauded the innovation, being able to use Jack in combat, making the combat more rambunctious, making the combat more aggressive. I thought it was great. Somebody who's a long time. Somebody who's a super, super long time Gears fan may have not enjoyed the most recent Gears. It's all, it is, it is always a risk. Anytime you try and evolve a game, Armor 2.0, as we said, it was like almost like they're, they're, they're moving some of the guardrail back a little bit. So knowing how, knowing how Bungie has, has gone too far with hardcore elements in the past, with uh with like the leveling and infusion and stuff knowing how that went i can't see them going too far here i feel like they know their limitations they know the audience and what they can handle and 
that's why there's never going to be this disproportionate focus on the hardcore player ever again are we going to get a focus yes are we going to get content and dope stuff to do 100 percent. but i don't believe we're ever going to be a disproportionate focus anymore they learned their lesson you know and and year three was i think very profitable for them i do i think shadow keep to now has been very profitable for them and that I think is going to lead them to know and, and, and really value the mid lane and the casual more than maybe they did in the past Hitman there's a tried and, two for, tried and true formula that has let games like EverQuest and World of Warcraft go on for 20 years don't you think while keeping their identity they need to reach into the genre to give us uh, the game that we're looking for in terms of making casuals and hardcore happy well again I, I think the risk here is the, as we just talked about in the previous question, is the pendulum swing. You can't start grabbing from the formula of a game like EverQuest or World of Warcraft and ham-fisting it into Destiny. Destiny has to contextualize everything. It all has to be contextualized. Um, I'm trying to think of a really, really good example, and I can't think of one right now. I can't think of a good analogy. You, if Okay. There are books that I read to my children that are historical books about war and you know for example my daughter loves abraham lincoln and you know she loves what he looks like and what he did and stories about when he was a child and stuff now when i read a it's quote unquote a history book to my daughter about some of the war and some of the battles all right it's contextualized into the genre of a children's book. So it's not super descriptive. There's not a bunch of names and dates. It's not super wordy. You're taking the big giant subject of the war and Abraham Lincoln and all these battles and you contextualize it down into the genre of a children's book, okay? So, you can take elements and inspiration from EverQuest, World of Warcraft, Diablo, Division, any game that's got loot in it, Borderlands. Um, You know, it could take all those things, but you gotta bring it down into the storybook of Destiny. It's gotta be down in the storybook of Destiny. You gotta contextualize it so that it doesn't suddenly if I'm suddenly reading an Abraham Lincoln history book to my daughter and it's really descriptive and bloody and there's lots of dates and stuff she's going to be like she's not going to enjoy it it would be it would be inappropriate for her age and she would understand a lot of it she'd be like what what is happening what does that mean what is that and the flow would get broken I wouldn't just be able to read the book to her I think a similar thing can happen with Destiny Destiny kind of knows its audience and its genre and who's reading the storybook okay Uh, and if you're gonna you gotta you gotta contextualize that stuff down in or it or it's not or it's not gonna work based on impulse I'm a casually optimistic optimistic hardcore player. What do you think is the best way for Bungie can help players like me as well as casuals other than the difficulty spectrum? Other than difficulty spectrum, I think reward structure has to be properly set up so that the like you're you're getting the reward from the content and its frequency and generosity is in line with where you are. Difficulty spectrum is great, but difficulty spectrum doesn't work if 
it's taking you forever to get something at the normal level or it's dropping too often at the hard level there's got to be a logical harmony to how often things are uh, are, are dropping steam crow do you think part of the identity issue stems from Bungie's push of endgame is the game if there's endgame everywhere then it's nowhere um I would say I would say in general that games like this live service games that continue on that we how do you not how is everything not endgame at that point think about this with me for just a second if they're going to do a season in the, in the, in the winter in the spring how is that just not automatically end game here's a new loot pool here's a new activity here's a new thing to go and do right I, now I will say I will say that if you're going to reinvigorate core activities like strikes and gambit and crucible I would say that that is how you make it feel like it's not just 100% endgame because then you're going to have you're going to have more I think variety this is why I said put one gun in the strike playlist every season why so at the very least if someone just prefers running strikes and doesn't want to do what you're indicating like all games endgame everything's endgame right all games endgame well then it starts to get really really muddy and it starts to just kind of feel like what's not endgame you know so uh, but again a live service game that is constantly adding on seasons you know is is constantly you know adding on seasons it's gonna kind of feel like everything is endgame because that's essentially all they're really selling you is more stuff to do in chase which is essentially endgame uh, Vexler Lightfall is going to bring us to a moment is that moment going to be the 2014 vision of Destiny or is it going to be a moment where Bungie goes hard into a hardcore casual direction I know you can't answer uh, for certainty but I'm interested if Lightfall is going to pick Guardians against themselves no idea no idea um uh Um, I don't know if it's going to be, sorry, I scroll back up. I don't know if it's going to be this, like, all all of a sudden it's a hardcore casual game or it's destiny one, you know, 2014. What I think it's going to be is we're going to have three dark powers, three light powers, and we're going to make a decision. That's what I think. So... Kane said, why can't endgame matchmaking work in Destiny? More options to get people in the endgame is better the way I see it. Oh man, we've talked about this so much. I think in general, I think in general, the the approach to like matchmaking in endgame uh just doesn't I just don't think it works. I just don't think it works. Um in general, the the natural trajectory of this game for the past, you know, five or six years has been that the that the end game just doesn't do matchmaking. When you go up into the harder difficulty content, you just you cannot you cannot throw in matchmaking. I think Menagerie really started to show that when a lot of the more committed, more hardcore players vacated the player base, it really, really got tough. Um so I I think that was that was in general a uh 
a, a, a good example of why you can't just start throwing throwing uh, matchmaking into all these other places. Ashen says, I played two to three weeks casually, one to two hours a day, and now it feels like I have nothing to do this season. Uh, I'm just ranked 50 and don't want to log in. Uh, God Got the God rolls, armor's good enough, power sign enough. Am I burnt out, or is this where Bungie wants to take us? I mean, I think you're just, it sounds to me like you're just burnt out. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's just kind of burned out. So, it that's what it sounds like to me. So, I, I, I would say that you're always going to hit those moments where you just don't really feel the drive to chase anything. Um, you know, if you, if you don't really feel the drive to go after stuff or engage with the content, I think sometimes it's just good to take a break, you know? Uh, I think sometimes it's good to, just good to take a break. Um, I'm never going to try to be like, is it Bungie's fault? Is it the season's fault? I think it's it's super, super subjective. So... Every player's a little bit different. Some players got burned out in Season of Dawn, and other players thought Season of Dawn was excellent, and they played to the bitter end, dumping Fractaline in the in the tower. So, all right, we're gonna transition to VIP call-in, and uh, Dad's gonna have to talk to the back of the car uh, when we end this episode. Uh, <laughs> if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or you're watching on you know YouTube right now, please click subscribe and the bell button on the YouTube channel. That helps me out. And you can always go to saynotorage.com uh, and you can you can be a part of uh, what we're doing in the live environment. As always, if you want to uh, watch this content or listen to this content in the other locations, you can you can do that. But please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the VIP call-in session that happened after my talk about does Destiny have an identity problem? If you're listening to this on Spotify, Google Play, or iTunes, you can catch me live at saynotorage.com. That takes you to YouTube where you can hit the subscribe button, the bell button, or the join button to directly support me with a paying membership. Those same memberships exist on Patreon. If you want to go to sntrpresents.com, that'll take you to my Patreon. So we have six callers today. Uh, should be a pretty good and full call-in session. A lot of different opinions on the RPG action and MMO aspects of Destiny. And we're starting with Das Voodoo. What would you like to talk about today? Hey, what's up, Lana? What's good? Um, so I think I missed the beginning of your uh, your stream, but I caught the MMO, not argument, but discussion part. Mm-hmm. So I think mainly the uh, problems with uh, Destiny's identity problem is the fact that in the beginning, uh, when Destiny 1 came out, it was clearly defined as a looter shooter, which in and of itself is kind of uh, vague, mm-hmm. but they refused to use the MMO terminology and for good reason. MMOs differ from looter shooters like Anthem, Division, and Destiny in uh, two major categories that I could think of. Okay depth and like breadth Mm. so i think the one of the main reasons looter shooters the terminology looter shooters even use is because they don't want to um falsely advertise what they're offering these games anthem destiny and division because they know that the uh term mmo is loaded Mm. it's suggestive of those things i just mentioned uh depth and width uh breadth of um activities loot uh just the world in and of itself i think i understand what you were saying earlier about how 
Destiny in, uh, is basically a loose MMO, but they yeah. use the, the they use those terms looter shooter because, like, as I said, it's a it's a not a false statement, but it's de- it's a deceiving statement. They call it mm-hmm. an MMO. Um, if Destiny had the technological uh, ability to have more people in the open area or in a combat zone, uh, to have more people in, especially in the um, like the tower, yeah. the living spaces, and the depth of activity. Uh, that allowed for deep, deep customization. Uh, and story-wise, Destiny chooses to use voice actors and whatnot, which is very expensive and time-consuming. It limits the amount of story they can do- deliver, in my opinion. Right. Is That's what separates Destiny as a looter shooter and an MMO. Mm-hmm. What I, are your I actually, I think your, your categories are super helpful because if you notice, anytime people, you know, submitted questions or you know disagreed with me or they would they would essentially say that they don't feel like destiny is an mmo or it's not uh it's not strong enough in certain categories they would they would touch on the two things you touched on both depth and breadth and so depth would be anytime somebody called like called in or, or i'm sorry submitted a question and talked about the lack of grind the lack of rpg customization and stats that all falls under that category of depth it, it there isn't some long, you know, um, scarab lord grind in Destiny. Um, so there's your depth, breadth. That's another thing people kept touching on. The spaces aren't big enough. There's not lots of people in the spaces. It doesn't have dedicated servers. So I actually think you have summarized very, very succinctly the two markers that people feel are absent from Destiny, and and then and then that like disqualifies it from being an MMO. I think that's a fair summary, but not a fair conclusion. And the reason is, I was essentially arguing you can have RPG elements, action elements, and MMO elements, and create essentially what I called like a hybrid, where when they said, you know, it's an action MMO, it has elements of an MMO. There are these shared spaces where lots of people are running around. There's lots of people online at a given time. The story and world is moving forward and evolving. It's not staying static. We we are, in many respects, in year three, we've been sort of the narrative driver. We saved Saint-14. We shut down Vex invasions. We saw the pyramid ships coming. We, we all stood in the tower and stared at the sky for an hour and a half. You know, we've... We've been part of that narrative driver. So I, I think it's a great summary as to if you really want to put meat on the bones as to why people are like, no, it's not an MMO. I think you've I think you've summarized it very well. I just kind of disagree with the conclusion because I believe you can still call something a as I the example I give is it can be a romantic comedy and have elements of comedy and elements of romance movies without being like a steamy romance like I guess like wait, 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 Fifty Shades of Grey, and it, it's also not like slapstick comedy like the Three Stooges. It's kind of pulling from elements of comedy and romance and coming together, and I th- think that's why I'm okay with it. I do feel Destiny is pioneering something that is bigger and broader than a looter shooter. Because when I think of looter shooter, that was kind of coined originally. The grandfather of looter shooters is Borderlands, and that is a more like Diablo style game where you play it run it, you know, then there's a 2.0 playthrough, then a 2.5 playthrough, then there's DLCs to expand the experience and level you up again and and loot, but it's not an, 
uh, an online world and social space and um, you know places you can and planets you can go and see other people running around. And so I don't I don't think looter shooter is um, sufficient enough to really summarize Destiny anymore. I think you can call it a looter shooter because it is pulling from elements of games like Borderlands, Anthem, Division, uh, and the like. So I. I hope I, I hope that makes sense. Like where I'm where I'm kind of getting off the train. Oh, it does make sense to me. I think that the uh, hybridization of the action MMO uh, thing that Destiny is working towards because it hasn't achieved it in my personal opinion. It's it's gotten a lot better since Destiny One. You know, but it hasn't achieved its full um, the scope that it wants to um, provide to its customers. I think that the hybridization actually causes a problem. It's uh, the jack of all trades problem. When you don't specialize in one or two things, um, and you try to be good at everything, or let's say several things, you're just not you're not particularly good at anything. Which is not true in Destiny's case uh, completely, because they're very good at shooting. Like I love Destiny for its shooting, mm-hmm. but all the uh, RPG ele- elements of it, the story is kind of lacking. the The depth, like the end game, is kind of lacking. the the availability to uh, single players and new players is kind of lacking, especially with the new light stuff like we talked about several thousand times. Um, it, I agree with you that it is more than a looter shooter. I just don't think that it has earned the right to call itself an MMO, basically, is what I'm, I think I'm saying. Mm-hmm. In my no, I, and, I, and I think when you... When you... Your premise that you started with, I think it allows you... You're not necessarily like gatekeeping, like you're not allowed to claim MMO, but I think it I think it puts you in a position to be like, yeah, I really don't think you've earned those stripes yet. You know, it, it's and it, and I think exactly. what you're I think what you're talking about too with the jack of all trades, that's something that I talked about I forget when, and I essentially said when you try to please everyone, you end up pleasing no one. Oh, that was in Destiny 2 Vanilla. I felt like Destiny 2 Vanilla, they really tried to please everybody and they ended up pleasing nobody nobody you know it it was a very very disliked uh launch and the identity of the game just got very very uh muddled and so i agree sticking to core competencies i mean i'll be i'll be transparent that's one of the reasons why i'm i'm trying to launch another show that's similar to this one because that's kind of my core competencies like that's what i'm that's what i'm good at that's where i thrive playing all these other random video games in the afternoon and stuff that's that's not ever uh, 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 jack of all trades master of none is what somebody put in the discord exactly it's like i'm not really the 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 master of like a playthrough solo games and make it funny and comedic like i'm not going to be a markiplier that can slice that up and make it really funny i mean he can make not like, the subnautica funny and the 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 challenge with destiny i think is that they have that broad spectrum of player so they're always going to feel that tension of we are trying to appeal to casuals and hardcores and everybody in between the people that love to raid but only have a couple hours a week and the people that never want to touch a raid or the people that play eight hours a day i mean it's just giant giant uh, spectrum of player that here's the thing the, the love and the passion seems almost equal you know it's true th- that's the craziest thing about it it's 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 not like this with almost anything else like you don't love football 
to the same degree as somebody else if they watch it every week they have the Sunday ticket they, they, they have the stats they do fantasy football their love of football is dramatically and demonstrably different you can see it but with Destiny it's such a peculiar thing that you can love the game it's clear you love the game as much as I do and we play it and, and, and commit and engage with layers of it in dramatically different ways that, I think, is one of the reasons why the debates get so hot, because the casuals love it just as much, so they get just as irritated when things aren't really scratching their itch, and the hardcore players are the same way. We all get very, very you know, wound up, and um, if casuals didn't love the game that much, then I don't, I don't think you would have this tension. It would be very clear that you'd be really trying to lean into the depth and the breadth that you talk about that's lacking, because you would be like, well, the casuals don't really care. They play so casually, you know, that what do they care? They just run around public space and strikes. Oh no, they do care. If the game feels inaccessible to grindy and out of reach, then they walk. And we saw that so clear in player base number trends in year two with Drifter and in Opulence and Black Armory. Those seasons were rough because they were very much inaccessible and unwelcoming to the more casual player base. I think you know that Bungie sensed it and saw it because of the sharp pivot they made in year three. Year three yep. being a lot more casual, friendly, and accessible. I agree with everything you just said. Um, and I know people have brought this up before, and this is kind of off topic for one second, but um, Final Fantasy XIV. I'm, I'm not sure if you... Have you played that? I, I have not. You. No, I have not. Okay, so that is a true and through true blue uh, MMO. Um, and they do a very good job of bridging the casual, uh, like me. I guess I would be classified like as a hardcore casual. I play a game hardcore for about a month straight until my eyes bleed, and then I just stop playing it for a little while. Yeah. But it, it bridges the gap between casual and hardcore very well by having something you have argued against in um, Destiny, matchmaking pretty much all the way up to raid level. Not the, mm. not the hardest, hardest raid levels, but I have raided with complete strangers. What I do is, as a casual hardcore, I go to YouTube, I watch a video, a guide, I go into a complete random group, and we try to beat it. Nine times out of ten, we beat it on the second, maybe third try of me matchmaking, but I beat it eventually. I right. think Destiny needs to have a be better about bridging that gap because it's possible. I see it in, in Final Fantasy fourteen. But real quick, this is my last statement on the identity problem thing. I think that Bungie has had... I don't know if they knew what Destiny was going to be when they first released it or how much people would love it or where it would go. But from Destiny 1 to now, until they got un- from under Activision and Luke Smith has taken over and faded out the next three-year plan, I don't think they actually knew what they really wanted it to be in their mind's eye until this point. And I think that is the biggest contributor to their identity problem. Again, they mm-hmm. called it a looter shooter. They refused to call it MMO. And now they've been calling it MMO. MMO. They know where they want it to go. So I think more than ever, we might start seeing the depth and the breadth that I was referring to. Um, I'm going to stop talking now. Okay. No, I. you are right. You, you weren't here earlier. I highlighted that. I talked about, I walked everybody through sort of the history of Destiny 1 and Joseph Stoughton's supercut and how they broke the game up into pieces and delayed it for a year and I said that you know ever since then I feel like they've had a creative dissonance in the company and only now do we have this unified vision for where they want to take the game which is why I'm hopeful and more trusting that we don't have that year four doesn't feel like a bunch of repeat problems um, and that's one of that's one of the, the contributing factors to my trust and my hope is not that like 
like, oh my gosh, I'm like a Luke Smith fanboy. It's like, no, this is the first time we've sort of shed the reactionary bungee, the 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 lack of vision bungee. It's we have a clear three-year vision for where they want to take the game and what they want to do and that has me on the side of like okay let's let's do it and it'll be very obvious when we get to probably january if they're pulling it off like i don't think there's going to be a it might be like okay we're getting there but so i think there's going to be kind of like three conclusions we could come to when january rolls around this is just the same as year three what the heck is going on or we could say, you know what? We're sensing the movement and the improvement. These things are better. It, with this, this is a step up from year three. Or we're going to say, oh my gosh, they're killing it. This is absolutely crushing the format and delivery and what we've all been wanting. I happen to think it'll probably land closer to the middle. I think we're going to be able to sense the improvement, but it won't be like a night and day light switch. It'll slowly get there. Like So by the time we get to Witch Queen... I feel like they'll be kind of banging on all cylinders. The rhythm will be there. The expectations will be set. We will have, you know, a greater understanding of what to expect and what to get. But we'll also feel that satisfaction of like the game is finally coming to its own, and we're and we're still going to have hardcore players bleeding the game dry and wanting more. That's that's never going away. But I think satis- satisfaction levels will be higher. I think. I agree, so. and I hope I hope that happens. Uh, thank yeah. you for having me on. Oh, no. Yeah, great thoughts. Great, like really liked talking to you. I'm gonna move on here. Uh, Chad, you missed mic check, so I'm not gonna be able to include you today. We also have six total callers, so it's a very, very full call in today. I'm coming to Ewe's. What do you got for me today, sir? If you are there, you'll need to unmute yourself. There you go. Sorry about that. Um, You're good. Just watching you on YouTube. Didn't want no echoes. <laughs> I don't know. Well, first things first. Um, been watching been a, uh, a fan and supporter forever so it's great to actually finally meet you and two um i know always he's uh, a big part of things but i go by eagle oh you That's, go by eagle okay yes yes i tried to change my name on youtube but it just didn't work out i'll still fix that alone but <laughs> to the topic um i agree completely how you were talking about like back in d1 when it started and you know like the, t- the team switch up and they change director lead that is a big part of why we started off without an identity but i also believe that that's kind of like how things work you know like as time goes they were going to figure it out which i believe they did but i believe is the reason why we currently have an identity crisis in d2 is and this is my opinion i believe that it's the the attitude like we started listening to the fans in my opinion a little too much you know, like they start to consider everyone on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram's like opinion. And I understand that there's there's room for that, but not everybody is a game developer. You know, not everybody is some top tier coder or, you know, mm-hmm. game designer. So, you know, it's not that your your opinion is not like we don't want it. It's just that it doesn't hold as much weight as most people try to like act like it does. Mm. So I personally don't feel like it was the big switch in the beginning i've been around since d1 the beta the alpha and i was there during taken king when everything got really popular and i've been here through the struggles of vanilla d2 it's really rough but Mm -hmm. my question is like let's see if i can word this correct way It, it does 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 that fall into any type of area of importance the community itself you know, I believe that we are one of the biggest contributing factors to the reason why the game is the way it is today. 
Oh man, this is such a good thing to bring up because like I, there has been, I think, I think the pendulum swing that has happened in the game, I think we've pushed that pendulum sometimes. Um, I remember when everybody said, you know, be, be careful what you wish for. You know, you're asking for so much primary, 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 and then we got double primary. Now I fault Bungie on this too. Like we're both in this dance together. Um, and a good example is when they had the community summit and more hardcore players and streamers argued for slower leveling, make infusion a meaningful choice. I still don't know what that means, um, but they argued for that. And I think that's fine to argue for. Like that's a player that's speaking their preference and their play style. And then Bungie interprets it in a way that I don't think translated into good good uh, content structure because it made it very inaccessible. You had seasonal content that was really tough to get into and leveling that was very frustrating. And so we're pushing the 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 <clears throat> the pendulum as much as they are sometimes. It's like when people do a Ouija board, right? Everybody's pushing the stupid little thing. Like it's 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 not actually moving. Like I mean, well, maybe depending on what you believe, it might actually be moving because there's a spirit moving it or something. But by and large, it's it's the people touching it that are moving it, and you're all kind of equally taking part in the in the ooh, who's moving it. And so, I think there have been times over the years where Bungie has really misfired on what I would call I've always called parsing player feedback through the filter of player behavior is always how I, I phrased it. And I've, and I've used myself as an example. So I was hotly critical of the skeleton key grind. I said, there's too many layers of RNG. I might not even get a key to drop. I spent all that time getting some keys Then I might not even get an Imago loop. I might get the grass skirt. And then by the time I do get an Imago loop, it might not even be the right role. Too many layers uh, of RNG. Now you have to parse my feedback through the filter of my behavior because my behavior was I was doing it anyway I was continuing <laughs> to do it and log in and try <laughs> um, and I think the the shotgun feedback in Destiny 1 is a similar thing that they they overcorrected they over I'm sick of shotguns I'm sick of dying to special weapons we want to have more primaries and they, they but they don't filter that feedback through the fact that all those people still ran around with shotguns um, and use them anyway. And so it was like, okay, people clearly enjoy using shotguns and like them, but they're feeling necessary. So how do we dial it back? Well, they completely overcorrected. They, they, they mess with the ammo economy. Everybody pivots to sidearms. Then they, then they fix sidearms. Everybody pivots to, to icebreaker. And so we're pushing the pendulum and so are they in all those instances they got rid of the skeleton key grind they you know they got rid of you know that they mess with the whole economy and the flow of of d1 crucible the end of d1 crucible was so rough and we pushed the pendulum as much as they did and so i think over the years i'm i've i think they're getting better at hearing what we say and then sort of filtering that through okay but here's what the player base is doing this is why i think leveling was an easy pivot for them it was like okay players are complaining about infusion and rng based leveling and look they're leaving they're not playing engagement numbers are dramatically dropping one week after every season starts because people are getting hit in the face with bad leveling and boom they're leaving so the the behavior and the feedback were uh you know sort of agreeing with each other there was a, they were they were kind of in tandem um so I, I would think that yes 
oftentimes you're going to get what I call the Destiny Karens all riled up on Reddit and they they <laughs> they, they, they overreact. They get really angry. Um and we don't want to listen too much to that and overshoot or overreact. However, we always need to remember the anger is coming from somewhere. It's communicating something. How do we interpret it? When people are really angry about something in the Eververse, is it justified? Can that anger inform Bungie to make a decision about something? And I believe they've interpreted the anger about Eververse and made very good, tasteful, and careful decisions. They let us know if it's silver only. They've made 80% of the items bright dust instead of 50%. Um, they, they, they're, they're correcting right now just today. Bright dust bounties are showing up in events to give you an extra source of bright dust. Um, the, the, the store itself, I just think, is structured in a way that is... There's no more RNG. Direct purchase is now available. If I want something I know, that twisty dance emote is $5. And so... <laughs> They have, in, in this is again, this is my estimation and opinion, I feel like they've done a good job taking that hot fire anger on Reddit about Eververse and a lot of the hyperbole about like, well, Bungie's adding more to the Eververse than the rest of the game and, you know, all that. And they've interpreted it well and given us and given us good responses. So there's a bunch of things we've said about year three that I really hope they interpret well. Don't just get rid of bounties or make them completely irrelevant. Why? Because... To be fair, we like doing bounties. Everybody likes mm-hmm. getting that click, 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 checkbox, checkbox. Like everybody likes that. Don't get rid of it, right? Refine it, make it better. Because um, they are too central, but if they make them completely irrelevant, that'll be an overcorrection. Um, you know, leveling and infusion needs to be more uh, accessible. Seasonal content cannot have a huge power delta where you can't enjoy it day one. That stuff needs to be really open door, you know, come in and play it. Because Contact Public Event did that. I'm sorry, I'm not. Uh, Contact did it, but not as extreme. It was. I'm sorry. The Tower Event did that. It just kicked dirt in your face. It's like day one, man. This is tough. This is. I'm seeing skulls in the public space. What is going on? So, um, I I do. I feel like they've gotten better about funneling that feedback through that filter, and I think that's really going to feed Year Four's quality of life improvements and pivots and and uh, system wide changes that need to be made. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I really do. Like when Phil, the Felt Winter Shotgun came out, when everybody was talking about how like, it was just going to be this crazy busted thing. Oh my God, shotguns are going to still rule and the Felt, uh, not the Felt Winters, the uh, Mind Benders is going to be trash. And look at us now, it's not really. Yeah. You know, like, and it's like what you said, man. It's kind of just that player behavior, a player's preference. And like you said, when we start talking to Bungie, um, it's just, you know, at this point in time it's like whoever's yelling the loudest where's that anger coming from source that figure out the solution i agree i really do yeah. i guess i guess technically the only thing that i disagree with is i i personally disagree with just you know doing that you know like i personally feel like we should at some points let bungie do their thing mm. you know like let them build the game that they want because part of this identity crisis or lack of identity is that we have millions of players pushing the game in so many different directions like you had in your last conversation. Mm. So, um, am I the answer guy? Probably not. But I'm definitely a guy with questions and I would love to know the answers. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I I think that's going to be the uh, the real test for the next three years is can they make changes that there's always felt there's always been that feeling in destiny where if you make if you make scott happy then this guy over here dan is really angry um 
and that's that pendulum swing, you know? <clears throat> One person's happy they got their way, the other person's furious their their build got broken. Um, and I think that's so, going to be one of the tests of of, uh, of year four, is to get rid of that sense of... That's why I was being so hard on people that were taking aim at the season pass. I'm like, no, 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 leave that alone. We don't want to rob Peter to pay Paul here. Leave the casuals and that thing alone. You know, we want our side of the game to be fed of its own accord don't start yanking you know don't start destroying mm-hmm. the season pass like leave that, that engine analogy alone. by the way don't yeah. say peter to save paul that's a that's a great analogy love it yeah so i i uh that's gonna be the real test that's why i said around january i think we're gonna know like are, did they hit their stride did they figure this out or are they still or are they still just kind of yeah, yeah. are they still in this weird nondescript you know it's like when <laughs> it's like when kids are in high school and like one week they're goth and the next week they shave their head and the next week they're you know they want to get into skateboarding and then the next week they want to play the trumpet like you know you you know those kids that just everything yeah. <laughs> everything was a phase you know destiny might kind of feel like that sometimes like is, is it always going to be this ever changing it's a phase game or is it going to kind of like land on its own two feet and be like this is the game that Bungie's always wanted to create. That's why I love the language they use when they say that. We want to we want to build a destiny that we're proud of. We want to build the destiny that we've always wanted to build. That tells me they've got this vision tucked away. They're like, we, we, we can make this a reality now, and we haven't been able to before. Well, I agree. That, that's pretty much all I got. Um, once again, man, I've been a fan for a really, really long time. First time ever calling in. Loving these, the situation. Loving everything. Thanks, Lona. I appreciate it, Eagle. Thank you. No problem. All right, Gilly, you're next. Coming to you in the lineup. What uh, What do you got for me? I I thought about talking about the whole MMO thing. I know I put the thing in Wikipedia, and then I realized it's a lost cause. So I'm not <laughs> going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> I think both of us just have differing opinions on how we define MMO. So right. We can agree to disagree, and I can be entirely civil and an adult about it. So I want to talk about the RPG aspects. Of, that's that's of that's, bo- that's boring. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I, I think I really kind of think some of the RPG la- aspects are kind of lacking in Destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel as our character, we're kind of just a shell. Um, I think I think it'd be cool if we could name our character, if we could name our ghost. Like, like you see other games, and I know the other game comparison sometimes gets some shade, but I do think you can compare to things that work and are somewhat in the same genre to improve what we have here. Mm. Um, most of our ghost lines don't say their name, or if they do, it just says ghost. You're like, that's not very interesting. And I saw on Twitter the other day that people have their own characters and they name their ghosts. So I was like, that never occurred to me mm. because... I don't really think of a character like our destiny character is just someone we play as not as an actual person like oh they have a ghost and they like these things and this is their name and this is their ghost name and this is their relationship and their raid party is these other guys with their names and I'm like like it feels so shallow sometimes like Mm. we wear these stats and these stats do nice things but they're not integral to end game content and we wear armor that comparatively all does the same thing but mostly just looks different unless you put different mods on but they're all universal and you yeah. have these guns that are exactly the same for everyone if you have the same stat role and it's like how much of this role playing are we playing if the role is 
whatever the the, the flat blank character that Bungie has created for us, yeah. especially in the campaigns where we don't talk, we have zero personality, we have zero interesting things. We feel almost more like a plot device. We mm-hmm. go here, we kill this. We go here, we do that. We go here and stand here and have our ghosts do this and talk about this and have this this emotion. And then you see, like in the cutscene, you see Zavala and and Eris. They they Zavala is scared that she might die be in, in the darkness. And you're like, that's role play. That's that's progression. I mean, not progression, but that's persona and our character severely lacks that yeah some of that some of those observations i think are right on the point because you know naming your character and your ghost i you know i think that would be pretty cool um you know because you meet you meet sagira and osiris and you're like oh that's cool a different voice and a, a a name like wow you know and and we are a bit of a a brute you know a voiceless brute killing machine that just sort of goes here and there. I, I think there's pluses and minuses to that, though. It does create a level I think of like almost like immersion. It's more of a subversive form of immersion where you sort of see you are the character. You know, you... I, I remember people saying like, I don't want my guardian to talk. My guardian is me. It, 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 it's like when you play Horizon Zero Dawn and you go through a scene and Aloy is saying everything. I'm not saying... I mean, I pick what she says and does, but Ashley Birch, brilliant voice actor, does Tiny Tina in Borderlands and Aloy. Ashley Birch is talking and it's it's Aloy's character saying what I'm picking. And so I kind of agree with people on that that I don't necessarily know if I want my Guardian to say stuff because it's, it's, it's supposed to sort of be an extension of me and some random voice I think kind of breaks that a little. Um, now that could come down to preference. We could have disagreement there. Some people might be like, "No, I really think the characters should talk and and, and say stuff," um, and I want to have a name and everything else. To the other things you talked about, the the weapon, the lack of like perk depth on the guns and stuff. I touched on that. I kind of couched that into the RPG element because when I think of an RPG, I think of the skill tree, the stats, the, you know, loading myself out with a particular way of building. And other people would say, no, that falls under MMO. And this is where I think we start to get into like weird gray areas of we're defining things differently and putting them into different banks. And those banks have overlap. So like uh, the first caller today, he really touched on that. Uh, He really touched on the idea that there needs to be more breadth and more depth if, if we're going to call it an MMO. And that's touching on what you're saying. You know, the lack of depth on gun rolls. Like, everybody's guns are so similar and so samey. That lack of depth makes it not really feel uh, like an MMO. Or in my case, I would say that's one of the weaker points of the RPG element of Destiny. So when I play Diablo and I look at all the flavor text on an axe and all the different abilities I can use and the, and the stat distribution. I think of all of those as like RPG elements. And then I look at destiny and I'm like that in destiny is the perks on a gun, my stats, the mods and the, and the build crafting on my armor, my subclass. Those are all my, like, I want this. I want this. I want that. I want this. Those are like the RPG elements. And so even if we don't agree with the label, the labels are relevant at this point because we're agreeing that the lack of depth and variety is causing it to feel kind of flat and like we're all using such such samey stuff 
And that's where I'm always pushing that envelope of we need more perk depth and variety. We need more guns that do something as opposed to what's the damage perk? What's the reload perk? You know, is it swashbuckler? Is it rampage kill clip, multi kill clip? You know, is it is it is it feeding frenzy? Is it rabbit hit? Is it is it outlaw? It's like we're picking between it's like we're all just picking between different types of lettuce. It's like, is it romaine or is it or is it iceberg? It's like it's lettuce. Who gives a frick? Like, is there a huge difference? That's what it starts to feel like. It's like, man, yeah. the, these perks don't feel that distinct from each other, and therefore the guns feel flat, which leads credence to what you're, which lends credence to what you're saying that that just doesn't feel like I'm really making the decision. Then it's just sort of picking between very very limited flavors. I think, like. I think our perk pool now really isn't that bad. I just think they're so poorly balanced. Like, the reload and damage perks are just so much better than all the other perks combined that it's like, I don't feel like I have the option. Except for maybe Demo. I know Demo's gotten some attention, especially when Oppressive Darkness is around. Like, Demolitionist yeah, definitely I mean, gets some attention. But other than that, yeah. Is it's that a crutch? Like, it's like, well, Demo's only good when we have Oppressive Darkness. That's great now, but are we going to have it next season? Is it going to stay? Um, so I do see that, but I feel like a lot of the perks, like, they just, they're not very, they're not balanced well enough to be viable. Like, the new perks we have this season, like Killing Wind, like, yeah, it's a cool perk. It's got a cool gimmick. But is it that much better than what if I could get a roll with Outlaw or multi-kill clip? Like, don't power creep them, Mm -hmm. but maybe tone those down a little bit and bring everything up. Because what brings personality is that why have this build and it works really well because I spec it to this, these benefits to how I play. Like, go ahead. I was going to say... I think player feedback plays a huge role here. So Killing Wind is, it reminds me of um, Threat Detector uh, and Surrounded, okay? It says, final blows grant increased mobility, weapon range, and handling for a short duration. That's harder to detect for player feedback when it's working. But when my gun reloads super fast, or I see Firefly, uh, or I see the damage numbers getting bigger, the, the player feedback is so much clearer. It's, oh, it, my gun is doing the thing, you know? And I, I, I actually find unrelenting to be decent at this because once you get it rolling, especially on like an auto rifle, it's kind of like devour. It's like I'm just constantly like, you know, procking the heel. So I think player feedback is a huge factor here. There needs to be a stronger indication when some of these perks are working because I think that level of the immersion actually can sometimes translate into your interpretation of its power. The fact that we don't yeah. really see it happening, we're like... What a boring perk. I don't know if it's helping. The gun got a little faster, maybe, you know. Like, Rampage has a blue glow when it's activated. Yes. Even if you don't see the numbers, you can see the gun that takes up a quarter of your screen. It's got a blue glow, and you have that little, that ding that tells you, you, oh, hey, it's proc. They should do that on all of them. Give them, you know, different glows, maybe reds for things like uh, Killing Wind, where after you get a kill, and, and different colors and different indicators. Make players aware, not some some tiny box on the side that says oh hey master at arms i mean that's Mm -hmm. just what i thought of but um make it more obvious and make people know you have it because i definitely see that you're like this perk may be doing something but if the player doesn't see that it doesn't matter right i don't know it's doing anything and that means in reality it's really not at least perception wise 
what it, Paul's, Paul's gaming is saying. Well, it tells you in the text on the left-hand side. That's but, not nearly... Exactly. Like, in the middle of battle, is that what I want to do? Like, I want to look over to the left and read and read stuff in the kill feed? Like, I don't know. I'm literally shooting... And in order for the player feedback to land, I have to go. I have to look over to the left and read. I don't. I don't think that that's. I, I'll admit it's there, but I don't think that's a strong enough uh, form of player feedback. And I think what is on Rampage is also a pretty big factor on why it's so popular because it's got both. And I don't think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think any other perk does this, where it gives you an audible and a visual cue that it's been perked. Master of Arms doesn't do that. I think Master of Arms only does the glow. I think Rampage being so popular is A, it's a damage, and B, it's super obvious to notice. Same with Outlaw and, and Feeding Frenzy and Rapid Hit. You saw the you saw the effect immediately. You see your gun reload quicker. I, the, the reload animations in this game are great. I mean, that's it's it's why a gun is enjoyable or not enjoyable. I think reload... I've continued to say they should homogenize reload speeds. Just make reload speeds pretty good, and then your gauntlets can make them better, and then we don't need reload perks on guns anymore. Just get them out of here. We don't need them. Guns should just reload at a decent speed. Like... I, sh- I shouldn't ignore an archetype and l- like like a 110 hand cannon for example if they made 110s viable and they felt good it wouldn't matter unless they fixed the reload speed because you would always be like I I have to throw away a perk on over on on outlaw or 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 feeding frenzy if I your that perk is automatically locked in it's got to be a reload perk it's it's, it's, it's you, they make they make you Almost, because yeah, it's so put, sl- it's g- so give slow. Give those background changes that that shouldn't be noticeable. Just do them, just like guiding light. Like at this point, remove guiding light from the game and just boost everything by you know, ten XP, ten percent XP, because you fall into that pit of, well, no other shell's good or good enough if it doesn't have guiding light. Like uh, the the shell last week for sale in in the store, I didn't buy it because it didn't have guiding light. It's a waste to run it. Just you know, you put barriers to entry for people to customize and run things. Get rid of that, man. Like, this game is, it's for fun. These, make it easier. Don't put these exclusivity things on here. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I think that would, that would help. That would give them a lot more breathing room in the, uh, in perk distribution and, uh, and perk variety. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's about it. I don't want to keep too much of your time. Okay. Well, thanks for calling in, man. It was good talking to you. Mm-hmm. All right, we're uh, we're about forty minutes in. That's good. We're tracking well. So if you're still here and you're waiting to call in, I'm going to uh, Infinite Rest next, uh, and I'll be doing Light Leap after that. Infinite Rest. What do you want to talk about? Hey, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Awesome. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, you talked about um, like uh, oppressive enemies and shielded enemies, like the the challenging enemies. And how uh, the mod kind of economy with them doesn't really track that well. Right. Um, and I feel like Destiny has a history of like introducing new systems and not really integrating them properly with systems that they already have in the game. So they made these new mods for each type of enemy and introduced the enemies when they already have things in the game that are integrated into every weapon that they could have given the effects. So like every weapon in the game currently has a type of barrel or for bows, a type of like string, 
on them. You've got like rifled barrel, um, you know, polygonal rifling, all that type of thing on each type of weapon. And so if they were to apply, you know, anti-barrier rounds to say polygonal rifling mm-hmm. and, you know, oppressive rounds to, you know, a different type of barrel in the game, that way every gun will have a different type of effect and you have to get different roles in the world um you know for drop rates you know say you want this gun to have this type of effect on a wet or on an enemy um you know you just got to go out and grind for that that way you're not limited to a specific weapon each season um in that sense if that makes sense yeah we we kind of outlined um ideas like this before i think we talked about it could be tied to the archetype it could become intrinsic where um so a lightweight frame weapon you'd look down layer at lightweight frame it would intrinsically have you know uh overload and then you'd go to you know high impact frames would be anti-barrier you know because it's high mm-hmm. impact it's so the reason i like it tying it to the intrinsic trait better is because then there's different weapon types that are that are sort of intrinsically good at certain things i would be concerned about the role of a weapon having a perk that is so it's tied to something so narrow now i will say if they did what i want which is they put champions in way more places then suddenly certain roles would be more important they would suddenly say oh getting as you said you know polygonal rifling would suddenly or you know that barrel it suddenly is important i like that you're attaching it to the barrel too because that doesn't really mess with my perk pool i can you know one barrel over another barrel is usually not that big of a deal but like i just would never want to be in a situation where i i have to choose between something oh i love overflow but it doesn't have an intrinsic champion perk so i gotta run subsistence and if i run subsistence on my hand cannon then i can get anti-barrier well, I mean, now you're, you're, it, it's, that's too much dictation. You're like dictating to me a little bit passively. Like I got to go for particular perks in order to get those champions. So I would say either make it intrinsic to the frame or as you're saying, maybe throw it on the barrels because that's not so, you know, disruptive to what you might want on the gun, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the reason I thought barrels would work good is because it also touches on why um, exotic primaries and some secondaries are an issue in the game they're not really worth running mm. is because all of those weapons also all have a barrel built into them yes. and so it would automatically give them an ability to deal with some type of champion so say there's a lot of more of the barrier enemies in the game this season mm-hmm. now all of the exotic primaries that have you know, this rifled barrel on the gun intrinsically are better in PvE content now. That's big brain. That's big brain plays because then they don't have to do anything to the exotic. They're just doing it to, you know, chambered compensator or... Exactly. You know, they're just doing it at a barrel level. That really is big brain. That, I mean, because like Xenophage, you you know, just give full bore another bullet point that says that it can do anti-barrier or something. I love that. Yeah. I think that'd be one of the... That would probably be, from their perspective, a, a database streamlined solution as opposed to, like, adding a mod slot to every exotic or every exotic needs an intrinsic. Like, you literally yep. go to the barrel. I think that's I think you that's solid. You update the perk in the game, and it touches all of the weapons that it's tied to. And yep. that works great for seasons, too, because instead of saying, you know, you're going to make 
you have to slot this perk in for all of these weapons for them to be good in this season. You don't want the season of the shotgun? We'll say, you know, you touch on just the barrels that roll on shotguns. And now this perk for this season on all of these shotguns that have it, it's good now. And you don't have to slot anything new. It's just that type of shotgun for the season is good. It doesn't affect your build. You don't have to change things, slot different stuff. You just roll that shotgun differently mm-hmm. then. I, well, and, and some, somebody is making a good point. Some some guns don't have barrels, they have sights. You could still tie it. Um, and, and with bows, you've got different yeah. strengths. You know, it's, it's, but each gun and archetype of weapon has a specific kind of throwaway perk, honestly, that people really don't care about in the game that's always intrinsically there. Well, and I'm trying to find if there are any exotics that have a sight instead of a barrel. I'm having a hard time. Uh, <laughs> they're all barrels. I, I went through and I looked. <laughs> are they all barrels? Yeah. All exotics? Okay. Well, you are going to get into a little bit of a weird spot with Wardcliffe Coil and our Anarchy, so you'd have to add it to Volatile Launch. Um, yeah, but, like, do exotic heavies really need any sort of buff or change in that sense? I mean, I think... Like, I, I'm, like, I mean, Wardcliffe Coil shreds stuff at close range. Frankly, if it, you know, it already one-shots... True. barrier and other enemies in its intended range would it need a buff there if all it's really doing is is popping a shield or procking overload i don't think that would be a huge deal um but i i think i i don't know i think you're right to say like does do the heavies really need any help um i don't know if i have queen queen's break queen breaker in my inventory i'm not Am I looking? Am I Lono blind right now, or have I never got? I don't think I've ever gotten it. Where did you get it from? Was it a? Was it? I a, mean, you probably never cared about it because it was only ever good in Gambit. And yeah, we all know what I think about Gambit. <laughs> <laughs> I I think um, it's a random drop. Okay, yeah, I don't have it. Um, but oh, Queen Breakers is a heavy. I'm stupid. Okay. Yeah. Um, to tie it kind of back to the whole. Um, you know, barrels and anti-barrels and all that. You know, if you kept the, you know, season rank up artifact the way it is right now, where each season they keep a, uh, a mod in there that if you don't have a weapon that you want in a roll that you want with a barrel that you want, mm-hmm. you know, they got this mod that you can sacrifice something and you can slot it in and that way it will deal with it guaranteed. So everybody has a guaranteed weight on the season to deal with the enemies in the content. But if you want to go out and you want to grind your favorite weapon to get the barrel to deal with the champion that you want to for that season, then you can. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 the reason I like the, the disconnecting it from like a mod slot and, and some of those elements, the reason I like that is because I do think some of that gets, some of that gets complicated and they'd have to go through and make a lot of database changes. And this would literally be, at a at a perk at a perk level, I'm sorry, at a barrel level, and when it's that first lane, I like that. Um, the reason I like that is because you're you're not suddenly like I don't even know how to say it. Is it shoehorning or pigeonholing me? I think it's pigeonholing me. You're not like you're not like cornering me and being like, well, if you want anti barrier, you have to run you know some some perk on a gun that I don't want. So I think putting it where you're putting it is really smart. Um, in a similar way to the idea that I've, I've trotted out as well, you're putting it on, it's more of like, it it almost feels intrinsic, 
you know, it uh, down on the actual trait, you know, you could they could do it your way or my way. I think both are achieving the same thing, which is getting some of these weapons off the off the dust the dusty shelf and getting them out in the world and getting people playing with them. Yep. So. All right. All right well, that's else? it for me. No, okay, that's no. it. All right, that was good. I like that. I like that idea. Putting them on the barrels, and uh, I'm coming to Light Leap now. We'll see what he's got for me today with respect to the debate and the discussion, and and uh, you know, being German and not unmuting his mic. There he goes. Oh, I will unmute my mic, but it's <laughs> surprise moment. You know, it's our strength. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, I remember during the Q and A, you, you, you kind of outlined the history of D two, and I I already mentioned this to you once. I think we already talked about it once. Well, I think more in written, but um, I wanted to highlight it from a different perspective or why I'm less hopeful, mm-hmm. and that's that. Um, in my view, so Destiny, the identity crisis of Destiny is not this MMO action MMO thing. It's more how mu- how much artistic ideas can be put in it that Bungie wants and how much is limited by uh, their uh, yeah, the business side of things, right? I think that was always the question for Destiny, right? How much can they put out, yeah. keep us happy, and how much they can earn with it versus how much they would like to put into the game. So I think that the, yeah, the engine and everything, we can see that past mistakes let's say or or short-sighted vision has plagued this game and so when the two came out i think they they tried to go for a product that was more accessible to make more people happy um and they realized it was going nowhere right so the two expansions came and then forsaken came and that was the last time i think bungie put a lot of work into expansions to really put in their artistic vision of the game mm-hmm a lot of story, a lot of secrets, two two patrol zones. Um, unfortunately, loot was still scarce, but yeah. Well, and then later, I think with the Activision was growing impatient. I think the real story is Activision was growing impatient. They wanted to, they wanted to tell them like, look, you got to put out Destiny three at this time. And Bungie knew they would this would flop because they didn't have time to make another like especially with the community back then they weren't trusting Bungie to bring out another destiny so they had to decide whether all right we can make destiny 3 according to the Activision Activision contract um and risk our independence as a studio because it might flop we might you know it might not go well and some larger studio like Microsoft or even Activision will buy it but will buy them eventually essentially right so they took an investment and they decided, okay, that's not the way we want to go. We know we can make Destiny into something outside of the contract that continue provides money. And I think year three was that. I, I think year three is driven by business decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And now, and here comes the, 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 the point, the crux of the matter, let's say, because you think that the outline for year, year five, year six, Dimension and, and sunsetting; those are all ideas that are artistically driven. I don't think I don't have the confidence. I think that the people who were always on on the artistic side are now probably on matter. Like I think the person who was also lead on Forsaken, I for, forgot their name or Taken King. Some left, 
and um we know like luke smith comments back then i remember during taking it was like so or when the collection came out he was like saying like yeah people should pay again he doesn't have a problem with it so i think what we're seeing is more they are implementing systems to let destiny run right yeah weapons are being sunset new weapons will come or it might be even the same we don't know yet right i mean this season shows maybe they'll bring back some that are the same they realized in year three um there's a lot of let's call them casual players who just enjoy the shooting side and they will come back with a season pass and i worry we're not gonna get anywhere in the future until maybe they focus on the franchise again um this 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 really like deep vision of destiny that we have i think it's gonna run i think we're gonna for sure get a little bit more end game with with the amount that's possible but i don't think we we, we can expect the, the the intense focus on destiny because it's a machine that's now running and i think that's what they're showing with the content vault with with the sunsetting with uh with the laid out expansions for the next years it's it, they're basically creating a machine that will work and um i kind of think so i'm I, i'm worried I, I i just pre-ordered the 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 expansion but this time i laid off on the season pass because honestly i'm not sure i like I'm not sure if Fall will convince me that Destiny is going to be more than it currently is. I think there's multiple ways to look at, though, what you called the machine. Because I was just getting ready to say, I feel like the reason they pumped the brakes on the Dreadnought and Savathun and Witch Queen is I think they want that to be, they want to land that well and not have it just be like another DLC or expansion. So when I see them basically bump dreadnought in the line and and really and really make us wait for Savathun. that to me i think is driven by artistic vision because they could have very easily ham-fisted that in and gotten a lot of purchases just by being like ooh Savathun, ooh the dreadnought and it would have worked and instead they've gone they have gone i feel like in a more artistic you know driven direction and then you highlighted the dcv and bringing back some of these planets and raids that feels artistically driven to me. It's like we want to bring back some of the greatest hits and really make them shine, especially on the new consoles, especially on PC, like getting to play VOG, high FOV, high FPS. Like that feels like artistically driven to me because there is a love for the content and they kind of want to they want to bring it back. That's nostalgically driven, you know. Now, I, I, but you could, you know, the cynic, the 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 skeptic could say, nah, they're just trying to build a machine. They just want this thing to run, you know, minimum viable product. Um, I, I guess it'll come down to, I, I don't know. I feel like January is the time where we can like look back and answer some of these questions. Like, have they nailed it? Does it feel, um, as you said, more artistically driven, but I also think, you know, as an aside, you didn't, you didn't harp on it, but you said, you know, Taken King and the Dreadnought was, it was more artistically driven. It was puzzles and mysterious, but then the loot was kind of lacking. And so I wonder sometimes if, can they do it all? You know, can they land this very artistically driven, cool storytelling and narrative and also have really in, 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 inviting and fun, repetitious content as, as, as well as all these great weapons I, I sometimes wonder if we have to choose, oh, what's that that business thing where you have to pick two of the three? It's convenience, value, or price. You can only pick two of the three. So, you know, Walmart picks price and convenience. 
uh, you know, but they can't also pick value because when you pick price and convenience, value goes down, right? That 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 three, you know, pick two from the three. I wonder sometimes with Destiny if it's like you got to pick two or the three. You know, do you want lots of loot and repeatable activity? Great. If you pick those two, you can't pick the third. The third being really, really awesome, artistically driven narrative. If you pick really, really awesome, artistically driven narrative, that's probably going to pull away from how fun the content loop is. So it'll suffer. Um, I don't... I. I don't know if I'm right about that with respect to how they divvy up things with respect to like their internal bandwidth and their teams and stuff. But to me, I kind of feel like over the years, if they pick, um, is it quality and not value price? Yeah, that's, that's what it is. Price, convenience, and quality value, quality. Those are, those are, those are, uh, synonyms that you can use those interchangeably. You got, you guys understood what I was saying though, right? Like the value of the t-shirt goes down yeah, at Walmart. Cause it's five bucks and it's, you know, it's made overseas for somebody working for pennies. So it's like, it's dirt cheap and it's super convenient. They have tons of t-shirts. Um, and so, uh, and the, and the stores everywhere. So I kind of feel like that's the way it is with destiny. You got to pick two of the three and you kind of hit it when when they focus on that artistic new places new spaces to go lots of story taken king really didn't deliver tons of great loot the raid itself didn't really have good loot and so the loot limped along but everything else was solid yeah that's that's probably true that's why i was so worried that's why i also yesterday i was so against the season pass because i always think when they try to ham fist some things into it 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 becomes worse than if you just commit to two out of three right um but like i also think that goes in line with uh you have to accept certain things sometimes obviously like for example something that i noticed was earlier um the caller said something about the voice in destiny you also agreed that you don't know whether to speak i cannot understand that to me the destiny it makes sense not to have a speaking voice when when you have tons of choices of dialogue, right? Because then you can express yourself, and obviously it would be ludicrous to assume to record, uh, I don't know, like 20 different volley sites per conversation, right? But Destiny was never that game. I think if you look at the, the action scenes and the, 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 the cutscenes, our character not speaking, it's it's just extremely awkward in most instances, you know, because mm-hmm. because I mean you can imagine you would say something or speak to yourself in the microphone, but it's just it's just weird. So I think they, I think it lacks this idea. Okay, what? How do we want to uh, explain a narrative, and how um, are we going to keep people players engaged? And yeah, I think it's trying to cater to too many things at this point. And I think that the business side is the cause of that. And I, I and I can understand them. You know, I'm I'm not going to blame them. This is also something. Uh, they have to survive. They became independent. If this runs that way, if people like it, you know, if their core audience will be 80 percent players who just, you know, pay for every stuff and play like three four hours a week, and it works for them, then. Uh, it's unfortunate, but for me, but uh, you know, that 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 the marketplace decided at that point. I just think that sometimes we're hyping each other up too much, maybe. And I just wanted to say, listen, there's can be this other explanation. It can be business driven, and we might have to live with what we have and what what destiny is ultimately going to be. And I don't think so. For example, like the. the, the I, I'm very serious skeptic, as you know, of the new engine theory. 
So I just think if we more accepted for what we have, somebody said it in chat yesterday when we had this the conversation, and prepare each other that they also are business like uh, a business uh, side driven, and that it's now going into not maintenance mode, but in like a mode where they are preparing to have more automated stuff so they can pull more people to the IP, right? Because they're not going to hire half a studio for for a new IP. Yeah, um, we will be happier. I and I think you and I have agreed on this many times that year three was a bridge. Year three was solely focused on survival. Like they had, as you're saying, it was business motivated. And I think that was the right call because it was kind of the only call. They couldn't suddenly dig in and really make a hardcore end game and 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 kind of dismiss, you know, the, so many people from the game that you know you kind of need those paying customers. I just think they've kind of conceded that that's not the going that's not going to be the thing going forward that's not the battle plan going forward if you kind of read Luke Smith's director's cuts kind of between the lines he said you know I'm no longer driving home asking whether or not we can survive but where can we take destiny and how do we get there like it seems more driven by like a passion and desire to and this touches on your artistic desire right it it it, it sounds more like they want to build the destiny they're proud of and the destiny they've always wanted to build which is more artistically driven which i believe touches down on the dreadnought getting bumped in the timeline and bringing back vaults of glass and bringing back some d1 strikes like that feels artistically driven to me like man we really can build the destiny we want to build and i really think some of these ga- some of these pieces of the game deserve a second chance they deserve another showing you know get them back out into the into the world and um so I hope I hope I'm right. I hope I'm reading the reading the tea leaves properly. And year three is not the format going forward. Pure business driven, pure microtransaction, mobile gamification season oh, pass. No. Like, no, no. You know, I I really hope that's not the case. Uh, no, I always understand it's a product, right? When I say artistically driven, um, what I mean by that is that it's like imagine movies, right? Imagine Transformers and No Country for Old Men, mm-hmm. and one has a vision of a story they want to tell and how they want to tell it, right? And basically, they adapt it more to the financial requirements. And the other is purely driven by max, like a, a flick for the cinema that is, uh, it must be must make as much money as possible, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's where I worry now. I see more. I see more. Let's put it this way: I see more. The, the line has been set for the next five years, and well, where they want to go, and uh, I think what we're gonna get in fall will be there won't be more. I don't think it's gonna develop much into much more. What mm. we're gonna, well, what we get in fall, we will. Everybody's gonna have to decide. This is gonna be for the next three years at least. So the new IP comes out, and maybe then they focus again on D three or something new. Mm. But, yeah, and just as the last part, I also think the alternative, as you, there we agree, one hundred percent, the alternative would have been uh, alternative would have been worse, right? Yeah. So if they would have cranked out under Activision a new D three, probably didn't have time to put a new engine in, and um, you know, make the pyramid ships come, uh, ships come, and uh, and we would have gone like a D. 2.5 like dt2 year one mm-hmm. was like a d1.5 mm-hmm. that would have been the end of bungie they would have been bought the ip would have been sold somebody would have made a destiny f- uh spin-off in the next years or something but that would have been terrible for the game i i think we agree on that 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I sometimes wonder if that was if they were going to take it all the way there, shove the car off the road, and then Activision was going to try and buy it and have uh, Vicarious Visions handle everything. You know, because they right that would have v- been a different option. Yeah, VV felt like they handled the game well, but um, I yeah, I'm glad they, <laughs> I'm glad they decided to take the road they took, and uh, hopefully, you know. Hopefully I get into January and I'm able to be like, you're wrong because we're playing together, you know, and you're not like, they didn't bring the depth, Lono. It's I not hope there. so too, man. You know, but you know, I'm German. We have to take the fun out of everything. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, man. I appreciate you calling right. in today. Yeah, me too. Bye bye. All right. All right. Last, certainly not least, he's all the way down to the bottom of the list because of the alphabet and uh, Wolverine. Waiting patiently to the end here. What do you What do you want to talk about? How's it going, Leno? I hope you're it's doing going, well today. Man. Thank you. It's good to hear. Good to hear. Hope everyone on Discord and YouTube's having a good day and doing well as uh, also. Today's talk and questions have opened me up to a new view on what this game identity really is through all facets, of course. PVE, PvP, casual, hardcore, MMORPG, not MMORPG. I can objectively sit back and take it all in. Coming from the PvP corner of this game and what I have experienced, the identity problem can be pinpointed to two integral portions of the game, integrity and incentivization. We have beat the proverbial horse on what we want in an anti-cheat along with wanting some form of transparency to let the base know what it is being handled. Within reason, of course, because the disinclination to give hackers and the parties that be a one-up, so to speak, on the game's new system. The last time we heard anything on PvP cheating or loot changes have been almost four months ago. We can all agree with that with cheating and hacky co- hacking corralled successfully, we can focus on the game's mode's identity, incentive, and continued playability. Will the newly cheat-free identity be more welcoming to a fresher player base, and will the chase, quote-unquote, for greater aspirational loot be at its highest within PvP spectrum at that point? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot there because it, if they're, if they are going to try to ever really speak to the anti-cheat situation, um, it's going to need to be about as well written as what you just read. <laughs> uh, like, cause this is a big deal, right? Like they, they did their absolute best to bring this game into a really dangerous part of town you know it's like oh we're gonna be free uh entry point free to play that's really dangerous like lightly thinks it was a mistake they shouldn't have done it um maybe i'm gonna start to agree with him as time goes on because man oh man it's created this problem like if you had to buy more than just the expansion there would be cheaters i think but i don't think they would be you know completely overrunning the game um and I think it's going to get really problematic. <clears throat> the recipe gets more volatile if they do adept weapons in the winter and anti-cheat still sucks. Because now you have bigger trophies to chase, which is going to drive more folks to do you know recoveries, cheat recoveries. And uh, I think the problem gets a lot worse then. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and say it. I'm putting all my chips in when I say that in hopes that destiny is going to have a, a viable anti-cheat for the pc because if not i will be rocking 60 frames on the new xbox but me putting all my chips into that i it's 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 a big hope to that your biggest concern within 
the PVP realm, no matter what system you play on, is people doing recoveries. I think I can sleep at night a little bit more knowing that I put eight plus hours that weekend into trials, knowing that I my greatest content was, or my greatest obstacle, so to speak, was the top 1% of individuals. Right. I just think cheating is is definitely needs to be nipped in the butt, and then uh, incentivization because we can we can talk about the numbers are still relatively low even from the console standpoint because there there truly is no incentivization unless you yeah. really like the glow unless you really like the way the look of that armor is you're just you're just trying to uh, get tokens for mid maxing. Well, and. I think you touched on a giant threat here. I think what will end up happening is, you guys see me play that Fall Guys game, you know, when the seesaw goes all the way like this and everyone comes sliding off? I think the seesaw is going to do that if you have really, really dope adept gear, cheating's running rampant, and people can just switch to console to avoid the cheaters. That seesaw is just going to tilt, and then and then what's going to happen is, I think you're right, I think if there's proper loot incentivization, you'll see Crucible numbers doing well on console, and PC is going to have a really, really bad time. And that when that seesaw tilts like that, how do you go back? back how do you get somebody to come off of console if they play for one season only on their console on their ps5 or xbox series x what do you what do you do to get them to come back they they're having a great time they're used to the frames they're used to the differences cross play makes it so there's they didn't lose anything i'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry cross save <laughs> i misspoke cross save um i how do you put that genie back in the bottle? Everybody's going to leave. They're going to have zero reason to come back to PC. And we know what the PvP crowd does. Look at what they do the minute there's nothing to chase. Woof, they leave. The numbers drop. And they don't come back until a new season starts. So I, I don't know. I don't know how you get them back on PC. This is a giant, giant looming threat to the and, PC and it's a, Crucible it's a, crowd. It's a major issue because you have a primarily some of the top pvp influence people are all on pc they're all on pc and some of those guys uh, pretty much 95 percent of them can fight out the cheaters you know they're still going to get done in by the good one but there's there's so many amateur cheaters you know it's 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 overwhelming just the amount of people in just the the last two weeks some uh streamers uh they make it a priority to to call out cheaters well not necessarily call out but find uh information find video evidence of what they're doing not necessarily of who they are but exactly what they're doing within within that realm and within the last two weeks it's just it's become so apparent that they've become uh as brave enough to venture into the twitch universe and just go ahead and stream it blatantly just not care and just go ahead about it and we're not talking about just aimbots and wall hacks we're talking about the max reses the revives it's it's just something i i really hope i really hope and i know how adamant they are to produce a hot fix whenever the eververse is manipulated in some way or we're getting bright ingrams at an escalated uh pace or if world first on raids are being uh dealt with or world first on anything for that matter i just think that same urgency should should be applied to the pvp because there is a lot of potential for this game within esports and this is obviously my opinion but i feel within the right 
audience this is this this game is very popular look how long it's been going on it's long enough where it has built a base within a base yeah yeah i i feel like i feel like the esport ship has kind of sailed mainly because the vision's not there from the leads at bungie to even to push that envelope um i think they have the parts and the pieces but they don't want to build that car uh and as as far as like, you know, and even Wheezy saying, you know, I don't want to play Harry Potter, you know, on PC, you know, flying around. Um, but he also doesn't want to go to console and deal with the DDoSing. Um, that's another, uh, that's another it's a serious issue aspect. too. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And absolutely. I, I don't, I don't know how you protect, I don't know if Microsoft and Sony can start to implement similar background uh, token systems to where you have a token instead of an IP. Um, that's essentially how uh, that's essentially how Steam stops it. Is if they try to ping you or like to try to see who they're connected to, all all the game is giving them is like it's like a number, it's like a token or something, so they can't see your true IP. Um, that's how Steam got around it. And so I don't know if my I. I, I there's a part of me that wants to be that like know-it-all layman that's like if Steam can do it then so can Microsoft and Sony come on but there's just not a there's not an impetus maybe to do I, it I think that's an as an educated assumption truly like if we can't assume that these companies are capable of implementing things like this and we're just going to wa- wave the white flag and assume the hackers have won I I I want to assume that I I pay for better quality but yeah. again, that's an educated assumption on my part. It may look ignorant, but at the same time, I feel it has some sort of educated guess into it. Yeah, I didn't mean to digress too much into the anti-cheat. I know we, we touched on it so much in the past and even last week, but where I was going so much more with the direction of, of, of my query was where and how do you think they could change up the loot incentives? I think the token system I, I don't I, I'm not a real big fan of it I don't even after the new change from how the token system in trials more specifically uh, was altered I don't think that's still enough I I don't think uh, there's there's enough RNG to to get those roles and, and then there's enough people playing and I know I'm probably creating a big funnel of of issues but these issues i think are all correlated in some sort of way yeah i i'm still I'm, on... I'm basically i'm just looking to see if you have a different outlook or or pathway to how we can incentivize loot chase yeah i am still on team it's not it's not token's fault you know like han solo's like it's not my fault it's like it's not the token's fault you know it's not their fault it's been implemented very poorly i think tokens in essence can work really well for what their aim is and the aim would be i would think is that you want people playing all weekend you just any any time they can play you want them playing and bounties would limit it like the way they did in d1 once you were out of bounties you were kind of done also you had to rotate through all three characters so that is a barrier for people that i don't feel is necessary if you do truly adept weapons up in the flawless chest i think you can be super generous with the non-adept weaponry and gear because it just it's not that big of a deal it becomes a normal drop if you think about it it's just a normal drop in trials so I would say you let people get the tokens all weekend long, say, you know, and get their bounties, have, you know, weeklies, dailies, repeatables. They're getting those tokens. 
and loot i think the gear can drop you know at three five and seven that's totally fine uh three and five would obviously be non-adept and then they can turn their tokens in and get stuff and it's random and they're just they're non-adept and they can play all weekend on their same character they got one character or they maybe just they're like me and i really really just only wanted to play on my hunter because you know hunters are gods of the lanes and so i you know that's why i love playing hunter nine second cooldown with worm husk is just a broken lane management you know strength in the game so i was like i only want to play as hunter and I want if I want to play Hunter all weekend and get tokens and get some of that gear and just casually play with the community and not worry about going flawless. I think that funnel opens up and lets everybody come pouring in and it naturally gets it gets narrow and the right people, the right teams go flawless, get the adept gear and you know, the super casual guy that just throws together a team, he doesn't care that he won two games and lost six. It just doesn't matter. He's getting loot and that's why I think it works so well pre-Rise of Iron. It's just, it's, we are, we're loot motivated. And so that's all you really got to do is find the right recipe so that people can get the loot without feeling like they have to be the absolute sweat lords of the crucible to get to, for it to be worth their time. So with tokens, they implemented them poorly and then they take them away and then you had to win and they motivated low card farming so they tried to fix that and then what do they do they lower the the token economy so you're getting less if you're not a good player so they they basically were like even, hey if you're more casual when you do go flawless it's still not enough and i'm telling you every weekend it's it's like i if i do all my bounties and I go flawless in, in one given card, I'm roughly walking away with around 89 to 95 tokens, give or take how many bounties that I pick up. If it's not like something I obscure, like uh, heavy grenade launchers or scout rifles, something that's not meta that that week. But um, I, just like you were mentioning, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just wanted to, to, to pinpoint that specifically, that even when the people that are being successful, unless they're doing it continuously, but let's say you're a person like me and I get mine one to three per weekend, just grinding it out. I'm only walking away with 80 to, to 90 tops per run. That Man. I don't think that's enough. It's, it, considering it takes two to level up, two to... 210 so 20 tokens for right. one piece item right and i think that's why when i say if you put adept weapons in the flawless chest you can be stupid generous with all that who cares who cares how many tokens people get and how much they walk away with if they're just a bunch of normal drops at that point you see like they're to- they are totally liberated to say you know what the adept stuff looks different it's the best it's the- it's the best in class it's the cream of the crop and the non-adept versions the token payout we can crank all that up why cuz you just you want people in there playing and i just i i do i really think people would respond well to it i think you'd get halfway through the season and people would be like yeah let's go do that trials thing man look at what happened when iron banner did that do you remember in- at the end of destiny 1 rise of iron Iron Banner became way, way more generous with drops. All of the numbers went way up. Everyone was playing Iron Banner because it was super generous. Like, generosity is not the enemy of engagement. It's the promoter of it, always. And I think they they free themselves up to be super generous with both the tokens and non-adept weapons. The minute you create loot hierarchy, you've you, the game can breathe and be super generous. Oh, but people are going to get everything they want in, in a weekend and then they're going to stop playing. I really doubt that. There's probably yeah. too much there's too much trials loot for that to be true. 
small percentage of people will hit that, you know, one to two week period where they've completed their uh, their their seal and they've gotten everything. That's a very small percentage of people. I've ultimately where I'm looking at with always my train of thought is is to where the crucible can be opened up to more players. And, and I say that as an above average player that makes my route to uh, seven games in trials a little easier, but more people would be surprised if there was an open door for more people more competition and 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 more incentive and and basically right now there's zero to no incentive to play either by yourself or unless you're with a really stacked team on pc you know it's it's one thing to deal with recoveries it's another thing to deal with recoveries and cheaters it's just Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. it's disheartening it's it's fatiguing it's it's rough it's rough and you know uh thank god i have a 1x because i i i kind of resonate with what you're saying in terms of going back to those old generations and playing god of war and playing spider-man in the 30 frames giving you a headache and the fov giving you a headache and i i i definitely can feel that but being on something like the ps4 pro or the 1x it kind of alleviates it a little bit but not not as much so it's just here's to a brighter future um that's pretty much all i had today um but thank you very much again for doing this i can't wait for repeat theater i'm very excited to uh to talk about the the mcu and and everything else that's involved in that yeah dude i'm pumped i'm pumped i appreciate it thanks for calling in dude yeah, I am very excited about everybody's reception to Repeat Theater. If you're listening to this episode and you're like, what is that? I'll have a, I'll do my best to have a more formal announcement on the YouTube channel. If you listen to these episodes on like iTunes or Spotify or Google Play, Google Play is going to get woven into like YouTube music, so I have to start saying something different. But um, Repeat Theater is a new show that I'll be launching. If you want any information on that, just go to repeattheaterlive.com. That'll take you to the new YouTube channel. We will continue to do SNTR Presents in these talks and Q&As. This is something different we'll be doing in the afternoons, like a book club for movies and TV shows. Again, you'll be able to find more official announcements later on that, but the, the best thing to do would be just go to the channel and subscribe. We're trying to hit 1,000 subscribers before we launch the show. So, as always, if you're listening to these episodes in other locations, uh, you can always come in live. Say no to rage.com. If if you want to watch live and support me directly, you can always click join or go to sntrpresents.com to use the Patreon. As always, thank you for listening or watching the content in other locations. Please like, share, and subscribe.